Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that often runs into a little local difficulty. Hmm. Now, Chelsea huffed and puffed and eventually blew Fulham's cottage down on Saturday to register our first and much-needed Premier League win in five matches. Many seemed unhappy, not least with the unexpected lineup, including the likes of Rudiger, Jorginho and Giroud. Uh, the stats show that we dominated the match with 21 goal attempts to 10, but of course stats only tell half the story. Our biggest problem seems to be profligacy, running into dead ends, and that indicates a lack of confidence at the moment, which, given where we are, is understandable. Fulham, down to 10 men, and defending with their lives were predictably hard to break down, and of course our profligacy doesn't help. Now, we still look vulnerable defensively when teams run through us, which Fulham did on a number of occasions. We could have been 2-0 up at half-time, or 2-0 down, or 2-all. We could have won by 3 or 4. We won 1-0. Mason Mount is superb. And Frank's gamble, if indeed it was a gamble, paid off. That is football, my friends. And the name of the show tonight is A Little Local Difficulty, Chelsea Fancast 785 and of course, as ever, we have that special genius, the one and only. Now, I am talking about you, even though you were rather presumptuous, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. No, I said Clayton Beerman. I said that. Oh, Is a little you? local, little local <clears throat> difficulty could be venereal disease, couldn't it? Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose you could say watching that match was a bit like contracting VD, I suppose, uh, or, or gonorrhea. Sorry, lovely to be on the show with with with, uh, with great company as always. We have a, a, a terrific um, group of people to call on, and I'm, uh, I think it's great. Well, indeed. I mean, we were we were going to have Dane uh, Whittle on uh, tonight, but poor old Dane can't make it because he's got some stuff to deal with. But uh, who better than? I mean, talk about super sub. It's almost like a kind of. It's a bit like when you get these great rock bands doing a gig and they bring on some really famous person to do the encore. I don't know. Who would you be if that was the case, Clayton? I don't know, but the most famous person I ever saw come on do an encore was I was uh, I was at a concert with Ryan Adams, who you may or may not have heard I, of. I have, sort of American, I have. American country star who has since been uh, outed as uh, not being the nicest person in the world to the female race. Um, and Johnny Depp came on stage to do a guitar solo with him. Which I thought was pretty interesting. But, uh, he was good. He was anyway. okay, wasn't he? He was good, Johnny Depp. He was okay. He, he was, was very good. He, he was, was very good. He was yeah. wearing a fantastic hat. Yeah, I do like Stetsons. Yeah, they are great, aren't They're they? They're very good. Anyway, hello. Good hello. evening. And hello. Pleasure to, pleasure to be back. Hopefully the uh, uh, the fantastic fan cast audience will not be too bored because I was on last week. But I'm glad to be on this week. Uh, well, I've got plenty of plenty of people who will say well done and amen to that. Now, uh, we've also got the rising star of the Chelsea fan cast galaxy. Uh, he, I mean, he's obviously written books, as has Clayton, in fact. They've both written books. But uh, Dean, uh, you know, as well as doing all of the, uh, you know, the website editing for us, Chelsea Fancast lot, he's now got his own show on the Chelsea football women's team. He is Dean Mears, the man behind Went to Mo King's Meadow. Evening, JD and everyone. Yeah. So um, your show's been getting a bit of love, mate, I have to say. Yeah, it's been... Um... People are listening, which is always good. And, um, yeah, enjoying what we're putting out. I think it helps that the team is so good. 
um, we're talking about positive things rather than negatives. But um, yeah, enjoying it and hopefully the people still continue to as well. I don't know. Where, where's the fun in talking about a team that wins every week? I mean, how boring is that, mate? I don't know. Top of the league and all of that. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, always good to have you on the show, Dean. And well done. Uh, for your efforts on went to Mo Kings Meadow, if if you haven't checked it out, I mean, actually, you know, if I'll be really honest, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm I'm not a fan of the women's game. I'm just very ignorant of it. So if you are as ignorant as me, which is you know quite a, you know, not many people are, then I commend you to listen to Dean's uh, show about Chelsea women's team because it's an education. And Dean has thrown himself into it with great gusto. And the lovely Jane Chappell clearly knows her onions too, so it's really good. Anyway, uh, this is about the Chelsea fan cast and therefore the men's team tonight. And on the show tonight, we proclaim all you need is Mount after his superb performance against Fulham. Uh, We also look at Frank's strange team selection. I've got some ideas about that. And uh, we wonder whether he had an eye on the Leicester match or if the pressure of club politics is coming into play. And we ask, should we be glad of the win or worried about the performance? I suppose we could be both, really, couldn't we? Anyway, in part two, we discuss Chelsea's profligacy, defensive vulnerability, and look at the good, the bad, and the downright ugly performances. There's a bit of everything for everybody there. Anyway, in part three, we've got a tsunami of emails to get through, and uh, we wrap up in part four this week with a look ahead to tomorrow night's match against Leicester City. And as ever... Don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7pm by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat room with the usual reprobates. It's a bit of a thing. They all kind of gather around there listening to us waffle on for a few hours and then completely ignore us, completely ignore us and talk to themselves. At the moment, they're arguing, Clayton, about Ryan Adams versus Brian Adams. So mm. uh, a mistake which is commonly made. Indeed, indeed. But there we go. They're, they're all. They're, they. I mean, you know, they're, the gaffers they, in the they house. Could, they couldn't be more different. Well, indeed, the gaffers in the house. Garfield Bailey, lovely to see you in there, mate. Vin the Blue, Daryl, the lovely Daryl, Claire McConnell, English Dan, Kurt, Andy the Hutch. So many of our mates are in there. It's lovely to see you all. Good to good to have you in there. Right after this little interlude, we will be talking about the Fulham game. So there you go. Um, I mean, I know, I know, I've, I kind of, I kind of struggled a bit with, with how to structure this. So I've kind of just structured it in my own rather selfish way in terms of what I want to talk about. But um, over and above anything in the match, um, I, I really feel compelled to talk about Mason Mount yet again. And and before I get into that, I just happened to, I, I saw a comment from a Nizar Kinsella. Uh, who's been on the London is Blue pod and the Chelsea podcast, but never the Chelsea fan cast. Um, I, there's no reason why he hasn't. I'm, you know, I suppose I haven't asked him really. I, that could be why. Maybe I have. I can't, I can't, I can't remember. But anyway, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's well known to all of us and a, and a good mate of many of ours. And he asked at the uh, press conference, 
What did Frank have to say in terms of the critics about Mason Mount? And Liam, even Liam, ref- Liam, Liam Toomey, one of our own. He knows his onions. Even he refed it in the article. And I think some of these guys have got to get their get their heads out of Twitter. It is not the be-all and end-all. It is not the barometer for everything to do with life, the universe, and Chelsea Football Club. Um, yeah, the point being is... Obviously, man of the match performance. Um, and I think the first question I've got to say, JK, I mean, I've got a few stats for us, as I always do. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, he, he's he's created seven chances. No, no, he created seven chances yesterday. No Chelsea players created more in the Premier League, in the Premier League away game for Chelsea over the last five seasons. He's created the most chances for Chelsea this season, period. Um what I really like most about Mason Mount, over and above the goal and the effort, the dynamism, everything else that he does, JK, I think he's beginning to show real leadership. I loved the way that he went straight into Robinson the minute he clattered Aspie and he wouldn't back down. It's not the first time we've seen him do that either. And he's only a little thing. I love it. I love that attitude. Leadership. I think critics would have said that he should have decked him. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Roy Keane would have decked him and then got away with it's it. It's unusually violent of you, J.K. There's hope for you yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> not suggesting he do it. No, I felt that he was. It was what I liked about it as well. With he sort of half-heartedly did it and put his ha- arms around his waist. You know, there was a slight element of uh, I'm doing this and I feel I ought to be doing it, but it's not really in my nature. No. Um, he didn't go up and you know grabbing shirts well, or clicking his fist or anything. This, I- yeah. But I, I agree, everybody else, but it, it, it spoke volumes in that nobody else, even Aspie, who's normally up there. Well, I wonder he was lying on the floor. <laughs> he was half crippled, mate. There's not much he could do about it. JK, JK, very quickly, very quickly, about Mason Mount. You know, you can take the boy out of Portsmouth, but you can't take Portsmouth out of the boy. Trust no, me. No, I understand. <laughs> I understand. But he, he um, um, uh, a full mate of mine, sent me a picture of it of the event with him you know miles and miles up in the air as he was after the contact because it was quite a you know a violent piece of play by uh by robinson it could have been a leg breaker indeed it could have been and he put look he dived he sent me this note saying yes he dived miles into the air on it and then somebody else tweeted which i thought was very funny i can't remember who it was if anybody who spells their name with two e's deserve anthony with two e's deserve <laughs> Deserves to be sent off. Yeah, I, I saw that. That. <laughs> that was a good tweet. Thought that was funny. That was funny. But yeah, you can't. One the, the madness. Another thing about going back to about Twitter is that you understand why Liam, that why they all reference Twitter because there are thousands and thousands of fans, and that's how they sell their paper. They can't ignore it. They can't go against it. They've got to. They've got to reference it because that that that's who that I'm sure that their employers tell them that's uh, large numbers of your fans are. Of, of the papers, fans are going to be on that social okay, media. Okay, can I, can I? I'm going to. This is a weird take, all right. But I'm going to hurl this back at you because I, I, I've, I've become addicted to listening to CNN all day because I, I, I don't oh, know. You and me both. Well, there we go. Well, the reason I do is because I can't bear our own news because it's too thoroughly depressing. Whereas listening to the Americans' bad news, at least I feel I'm one one step removed, so it doesn't feel as, as depressing. So I've become addicted to CNN, and I heard on there today that since they removed. Uh, Trump from yeah. Twitter there's been a 75% decrease in disinformation and people lapping disinformation up right now you could apply that same logic to football Twitter you know no, but, but, but can you apply that to somebody who's commenting on the on the games who's who's um, 
fuel who's who's uh, e- even the number of people who take the subscription up is is but it's an American uh, enterprise, isn't it? The athletic, I yeah. think. Yeah. 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 You know, but I, I mean, look, I, I think the point is, I think what the gripe I'm having is that it's it's I think it's disingenuous because, I mean, in the same week where you have the We Are The Shed Boys and all the great work they all do, and we know most of them, they're really good lads and they are far more representative of Chelsea's match going support. And they put that banner up in Frank We Trust. Right. So in the same week that you have that. You're saying, I mean, if, 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 for example, Liam, and I mean, I'm not going to have a go at Liam because he, he was, as, it, as he always is, quite, you know, incredibly balanced and thoughtful about it. But I thought Nizza, Nizza's question wasn't. You know, if you're saying, you know, what about the criticism of Mason Mount on Twitter? If you were definitive about it, that's one thing. But when you say criticism of Mount, it makes it look like there's huge uh, criticism coming from all quarters. And that's just not true. No, no, it's very specifically from uh, from Chelsea fans. You've not got other people having a go, but lots of other people don't have. Do they specifically have a go at players? You surely, you know, from other class players, they do all the time. Have, have they have little few? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's all the same because it's class, all part yeah. of the same social media disease. Yeah, Somebody yeah. said to me the other day, which was really interesting. I think it was in a. I think it was in the in a, yeah it was one of my colleagues actually and they said that you have to remember that there are more people who are not on Twitter and Facebook than there are on Twitter and Facebook and I thought that was a really pertinent thing anyway I'm not going to get stuck in this grind I mean he he was really really good I, I have to say Clayton I I thought Gary Lynn I mean talking of Twitter and just having kicked it in the bollocks I'm now going to refer to it which is classically hypocritical <laughs> but uh, I did like this tweet from Gary Lineker who I actually have a lot of time for and obviously a fantastic goal scorer on his day he, and he actually reiterated on Match of the Day as well. He said, a huge goal for Chelsea and Frank Lampard scored by Mason Mount. For all their signings and money spent, for me, he's their best player. Great technically, fantastic energy and work rate. Really consistent, can play in multiple positions and scores goals. Gary Lineker. Can't argue with that, can we? No, and, and he actually repeated as much on Match of the Day um, when they were talking about Mason Mount. I've said it so many times, um, and I'll keep saying, when he plays, we play. Mm. It's as simple as that. When he doesn't play well, we don't play well. It didn't work on, and... on Saturday, though, did it, Clayton? Sorry? It didn't happen on Saturday. He played no, well. But we won. Are we going to go into that argument? Not yet, but we will. No, not yet, but we we will do. Um, I just think he's a fantastic player, and, uh, yeah, I mean, just... <laughs> People who slag him off, I don't know. I don't know what they're watching or what they're doing or who they are. I don't know. But, you know, we're not unique. Uh, You just have to look at every single club. I'm sure they've all got their own hate boys. But um, he was was brilliant on Saturday. Um, By God, he had to be. Um, (laughs) Because um, he was inspirational. Um, But... Sadly, he was on his own on yeah. Saturday. There wasn't a, a lot with him, but um, he cares. And, 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 you know, I think the the incident on the sending off was, was, you know, everybody commented on it. We need more of that. Yeah. You know, I think he was the last person to do that. And uh, since Chalabar uh, almost chinned Aguero, you know, we haven't got that in our makeup. I don't know why. I, I mean, you know, I think Billy Gilmore's basically got that. Um, I think all I the think youngsters have, actually, you know. Yeah, all the ones I, have come I, through. You know, it's, it's more than that, because if you watch Mason Mount play and, and sort of, 
he's the only one that ever leaves his foot in. Now, I'm not advocating that that's what you should do, but we, we're too nice. You know, when we had, um, who did we get sent off? Uh, Christensen. He was the first player to get sent off for three years. And that's because that he fell anything. over. Yeah, exactly. That wasn't anything vicious. That was because he was basically... He like was a giraffe, mate, tripping over somebody. a carrot. So, I mean, I know we're going off Mason Mount, but I, I I'm do I'm not going off that... Mason Mount. I love him. <laughs> I'm going off the topic of Mason Mount. Um, <laughs> I just, uh, I, you know, I need to see more of that in my team. Right. I really do. Um I need to see some right bastards playing for us. Well, and, and we're all too nice at the moment. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, Dean, I, I'm, you know, Frank, I think quite rightly, which is, I mean, I think Frank's very mindful. I think Frank, you know, if you, if you poured six pints of uh, Stella down Frank, he, he would probably sit there almost in tears about how wonderful Mason Mount is and how much he loves him. But So I always get the feeling that impresses. He has to rein it back a bit to kind of not make it so obvious how much he loves him. And I think, having said that, quite rightly, he said that, you know, he does need to score go- score more goals, and he is young, and I thought the comparison Frank made with himself was quite pertinent, actually, and that he is ahead of where Frank was, was at the same age. But I think, for me... Um, he is the only player in that team who embodies Frank's spirit and also connection with Chelsea and, and, and who will who will fight for the cause on the pitch. I mean, perhaps not literally like we were intimating with, with, with Robinson with two ends, but you know, there is something about him, isn't there? And I can see I can see that that kind of symbiosis, if you like. Yeah, he's had that as well from a very young age. You know, the, the famous story of his dad saying, are you sure you want to stay at Chelsea? You know, it's hard to break through. And, you know, he said, yeah, I do. I'm going to be that player that breaks through the academy and becomes a first-team player. He's had that drive in him since he was you know, a young boy. And that's the benefit of having academy players in your squad and in your first team is that they know the club inside out and, and they will fight for the cause. You know, definitely with leadership, I think you got to look at internal politics as well. You know, look at the players, the power they had from 2004 to 2012. If they didn't like a manager, they went to Roman themselves and said, you know, we want this guy out. Um, he's not doing it. And definitely, I think the board have signed players that aren't like that. Mm-hmm. And they don't have that leadership anymore because they've taken that voice away from players to, to have more power themselves, mm-hmm. especially with Roman not being as active sort of after the Champions League mm-hmm. up to more recently. Yeah, interesting stuff. Right, let's talk about the team selection because I mean it had a I mean even me, I mean I I mean as you, I don't know if you saw my notes, but I was rather shall we say surprised. <laughs> I think the what the fucking fuck was mentioned several times. Um because it was a bit odd. I mean, you know, oh, there we go. I actually got it in the notes too, haven't I? Yeah, Rudiger. I mean, we we've been priding ourselves recently JK on actually being quite quite savvy with the team selections recently, but we were absolutely wrong. Rudiger playing instead of Zuma, Aspie. I can understand Aspie because maybe James is not quite fit enough yet. Jorginho instead of Gilmore. Oh, made my heart ache. Uh, Kovacic, well, again, I'm not too bothered about that. Giroud, again, I can understand that, but I think Tammy deserved to to, to start based on current form. And and Adoy, Pul- I think. Well, uh, well, Pulisic, as I said, uh, and I think that Adoy deserved to start. But I mean, somebody tweeted, funnily enough, that it was weirdly a very Sarri-looking lineup. Now the thing is, J.K. I mean, I know we're not I at training. What I, I did? What you tweeted I, that? I, well, I put it on on WhatsApp. Oh, did you? What that it was a weirdly very Sarri-looking lineup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It may have been a different group though. It occurs to me. It wasn't ours, mate. 
no, no. Don't think... be. You, so you mean you mean you two time us with other WhatsApp groups? No, I four time you. You're such a tart, mate. I'm completely a tart. There's no I'm loyalty not... with you at all, is there? None at all. I'm on another another podcast at this moment. Uh, yeah, it's the Jonathan Kidd experience, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on a second. Yeah, I'll be with you in a minute. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, look. So joking aside, um, we're not at the training ground, so we don't know. And I think we always have to have that caveat. We are. I think we were all rightly surprised for exactly what we just said there, J.K. About who, 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 who you know, Gilmore and Zuma and, and Hudson and Oi not starting. A lot of a lot of theories purported to the fact that you know Frank had an eye uh, on the Leicester match. In fact, he kind of admitted it in the presser afterwards. I mean, there's also COVID and the need for rotation that one has to take into account. But there's another line too, which you know I I, I was picking up on the, on the you know the uh, you know the Telegraph as it were, and that's that there's a bit of politics going on here, and that the likes of Jorginho and Giroud and Rudiger are you know, angling for moves away or they might, the club might want to sell them so they need to be in the shop window or they're agitating and therefore they need to be pacified. I mean, basically, if it's an eye on Leicester, I think that's that's stupid. You have to have one, you know, one game at a time. And if it's, he, he's having to do a politics and I have huge sympathy for him. Well, don't you think there wasn't necessarily politics? They're also, they appear to be the, the, the loudest members of the dressing room. From well, Matt Law, sure, can I read that Matt Law quote out? If I got it, I have got it down there, haven't I? Lampard's gone for all of his leaders tonight. Aspie, Rudiger, Jorginho, Giroud are the big dressing room training ground personalities. Not the lineup many fans would have gone for, but there is logic behind it. Uh, Hudson and Doyle and Gilmore particularly unlucky. Aspie, Rudiger, Jorginho and Giroud are the big dressing room training ground personalities. Discuss. Um, well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because that's obviously the case. But, you know, uh, uh, the dilemma is that, as we keep observing, he's not going to get anything out of Jorginho at all, who just doesn't seem up to playing in the Premier League anymore. I think his, his stats were completely appalling for the game. But did Liam yeah. says Liam was hilarious in his article. Six, uh, 69 got, passes, got, none of any consequence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got that quote. He said, deployed at base of midfield in place of suspended N'Golo Kanze. Jorginho did nothing to justify being trusted over Billy Gilmore. None of his 69 passes were consequential and he provided no meaningful protection to a defence. So he's not argue with that. He's not a fan either then. No, Liam, Liam's got a great turn of phrase on him. Um... <sighs> but no, but I, it, it, he was making a statement though, wasn't he? He's definitely making a statement by playing with Jorginho again. But it may be the case. He thought, I'll give somebody a rest. And it'll it'll be them, but you know I think he the very fact that he played Pulisic for the whole of the ninety minutes makes me feel that he really does he thinks he just needs the game yeah. time. And I but, agree with that. Yeah, because he's not was, far away, is he? Well, he, he he keeps running into dead ends. The player that we saw in the middle of the season would just have beaten everybody. This confidence, is mate. Well, I don't, is that confidence? Yeah. Though? Should, if we keep going on about confidence, it's, I I worry that it's. It's it's just somehow the skill isn't there, the form isn't there, you know. Yeah, I know, no, but J K, I know I know that you were a very good footballer in your in your day. In fact, knowing you, you probably still are now because I, I don't think I've ever met anybody of your age who was as fit as you are. I know I I've met very few who were as mad as you are, but certainly as fit as you are. It goes but, with it, kid. but you, maybe that's true. But what you will know surely is that I think with football particularly, and particularly at that level, so much of it is natural. It's on instinct. They don't have to think about it. And the minute your confidence goes, you start thinking about what you're doing. And that, in turn, will have a knock-on effect. They talk about their muscles tightening up. 
You know, that split second where they wouldn't have to think about it, they're now thinking about it. And then they make the wrong decision. Perhaps it's a fitness thing as well then. Perhaps maybe, it's that, that maybe. Just, but I, I, I slightly despair of this constant thing about, and I feel for him because he keeps trying it. You know, it's that thing of, and the, of what I love about the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed by Odoi. What I love about him is the fact that, you know, we keep saying he's got to do stuff. And Frank says he's got to take people on. And each time he comes on, we're actually seeing an improvement. So he's, he's, it's it's working for him. You just hope he doesn't get injured again. Whereas poor old Pulisic at the moment, you just think, oh, bloody hell, come on. You you know, somebody you'd have beaten three players and he now, the second one tackles him. Yeah. And you think, what well, what is going on with him? But uh, but the dilemma is, is that, well, right, he gives him a game for 90 minutes. He plays for 90 minutes. And we hope that it means that when he plays again on Tuesday, um, if he plays again, he may, he may play a doy, but he's then back to getting back there slowly. You hope that because you've seen it. But it's the same with several of these players, as we've seen them be excellent and they're not coming anywhere near that. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly pick up on that, uh, definitely, blow by blow in, in part two. Clayton, what, 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 you know, what do you make of it? I mean, as I said, you know, we're not there, so it's impossible to really say. I'm not a fan of, of, of you know, playing... A, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, a blind man, you know, who's never been heard of in the Amazon rainforest could tell you that that would have been a week aside given who he picked. And I do wonder if there is a bit of politics at play here because, you know, we, we forget about this always at our peril, but Chelsea FC is not a football club. It is a business. And I wonder, because they've got Frank in charge, they perhaps can get away with that kind of pressure in a way that... You know, if you said that to Conte, you know, there'd be an, a catastrophic tantrum, but not with Frank. So maybe he's having to, you know, to, 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 to manage, you know, all of these other issues going on. And there's no doubt they want to get rid of some of these players or some of these players want out unless they get game time. Yeah, but you could argue that by putting them in the shop window, nobody's going to buy them. Well, do you know what? That, that I, I couldn't agree more. The I mean, resale value goes you, down I mean, every minute. If, if you're looking at the fact that Rudiger replaced Zuma, you know, every successful team has a settled defence and fucking about with the defence is not the answer. Aspie played because you have to think that Reese isn't 100% fit yet. Um, I don't know how many times Jorginho and Kovacic have got to play together before somebody says they should never play together again. It just doesn't work. It's never worked. Um, Jorginho, God bless him, slows everything down. Um, had no problem at all with Giroud playing. Um, he's a great centre forward, and I, I, you, I, if he played every game, I wouldn't be upset. Uh, and to be honest with you, I, I wasn't upset that Pulisic started. What I was upset was that Pulisic stayed on and Ziyech came off um, during the game because for... I mean, Ziyech wasn't perfect, but at least he was pinging the balls in. Pulisic, God bless him, was running down blind alleys the whole night. Um, You say, yes, maybe playing him back into some sort of uh, fitness form. No idea. But it was a very, very strange um, side. I mean, I don't... I, I make it a rule not to try and comment on lineups. Well, no, but not even I commented kid, on exactly, that. Yeah. I was just so because it was just so deflating. Um, but you know, you look at the side and you look at that side, and you, you think basically you've got a front line of Pulisic, Giroud, and Ziyech, and you think, well, you know, that that's a really good front line. Um, said last week, 
biggest problem we've had all season has been midfield. And again, you know, we're not creating anything for those guys um, up front. Um, it was just a very, very strange side. And, and the fact that people were saying maybe he's thinking of Leicester on Tuesday, I sort of made the point that, you know, if we wouldn't have won on Saturday, Leicester on Tuesday became completely yeah, and utterly you, you, irrelevant. You had the hump about that. I remember seeing it on Twitter. And I think rightly so, mate. Yeah, I just, you know... We were desperate for a win. Ultimately, we got the win. Whether we got the win because Fulham went down to 10 men or whatever, I don't actually think that's the case, to be honest, uh, because the way Fulham were playing, it just meant they had nine men behind the ball instead of 10 men behind the yeah. ball. Um, but that, that's an argument we can have later. But no, I just I just think, I, I, do, I really don't know. Um, and I, I, do, I do fear for Frank because I actually think He's looking really, really down um, in the press conferences and whether the pressure's getting to him, I've got no idea, but he looks so fed up today. He really did. Mm, I thought I thought actually, Dean, I mean, I don't know if you saw his uh, post-match. I think there was, I saw the clip that they put on, on Chelsea TV and I thought it was really good, actually. And I, I mean, as always with Frank, he speaks a lot of sense. He calls it as he sees it. And, and I thought, well, you know, fair play to you, mate. But... You know, what? what's your view of, of, you know, one eye on Leicester, maybe a bit of politics going on, which I think would be difficult for... I mean, I think my point about the fact that if you if you, if you you were to tell somebody like Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola or Mourinho or Conte that, you know, you have to have one eye on the business, maybe they would tell you to piss off. But maybe that's modern football these days. Maybe they are businesses. You do have to take account of that. You know, and if you're if the CEO could turn around and say, "Well, I'm sorry, mate. You know, Rudiger's a German international. Jorginho's an Italian international. Uh, Giroud's uh, the second highest scorer for France. They're good enough to be. You know, Kovacic is a is a Croatian international. These these players are good enough. So stop moaning. You know, maybe that that has to be taken into account. Yeah, I sort of agree that he's had an eye on Leicester, but I think when your team's playing as badly as we've been playing, then We've got a, that game against Morecambe allowed us just to reset everything. And, mm. you know, Werner got a goal, Havertz got a goal. You've got to go into Fulham and play your strongest 11 and not just win the game, but win the game well to set you up to, to go to Leicester and have the confidence that you can go to Leicester and win. Yeah. We've come away with a 1 0 win where we played badly. We still go to Leicester with the same lack of confidence. You know, this Werner after the game almost on the floor because he's missed the one on one. Frank's put his arm around him, but he's still going to go into that game against Leicester not knowing if he can score a goal or not. Whereas if you go with that strongest 11 from the start, Fulham are a bad football team, no matter what people say about them having good results recently. They're a bad football team. We should be going out there and putting in a performance where we sort of show that we're back. You know, We've got over that December you know, bad period and we can go again and start challenging again for the top four. We go to Leicester now, we were in good form still with that crisis of confidence and it doesn't bode well that this is not just a blip anymore yeah it's the way we play yeah i mean i'm i I have to be on i mean this is i think the one caveat on this is again we we do not know what the effects of you know two games a week and covid and all that going on is having on on the players i mean all things being equal and i think for frank and with this particular squad you know i would be i would be 
if I, I mean, you know, I don't have my badges and I'm not paid five million quid a year, sadly. But if it was, if it was me in charge, I would basically, you know, fine tune who my best kind of 13, 14 players are and play them every match until one gets suspended or injured and then you bring in somebody else. And I mean, I know the corollary of that is that people who are left out and on the fringes these days get the hump. And we've all, I mean, you know, where do you think, you know, uh, all these articles about Frank being under pressure, the club thinking about Nagelsmann, where do you think that's coming from? You know, the sources, it's coming from the players, mate, that are not happy about playing would be my... Uh, bet. Although, of course, if you ask any of the journalists, none of them gonna gonna tell you. Oh, well, you know, can't tell you what our sources are, mate. You know the rules. So there we go. We'll never know. Uh, anyway, we're going to carry this on in part two. But before we do, uh, our usual weekly punt out for good old CFC UK, which again, it's almost like every week there are three CFC UK writers on the show tonight. Me, Dino, and uh, Clayton. I believe there's another. The deadline's Wednesday, isn't it, Clayton? For the next um, article, yes, rather shockingly, found that out today. Yeah, likewise. I'm. I don't know I'm if I sh- could... I'm sure I knew it in the back of my mind, yeah. but when it, when uh, Tim asked earlier, I thought, ah, it's probably not till I the know. end of this week, I'm, next week. I'm worried by that because no, it's Wednesday. Joy, I'm, I'm going to have to do it after the match tomorrow. What, J.K.? So, what topic will will you choose, Clayton? What? Uh... Ooh, yeah, oh yeah, I can't preview. tell you. I can't tell. I can't tell you my sources. Oh, get you, get you. What are you write uh, about? Dean? Oh, go on. He's going to. He's going to reveal it. Go on. There's a re- big reveal. <laughs> Dino, what about you? you what are you going to do? I'm hoping JK is going to give me some inspiration tonight. <laughs> no, I've got good no luck at the moment. Good luck with that. Uh, I'm going to write one about mental health, actually, because I think I, it's an important topic which needs to be covered. Anyway, uh, right, if you want to get a copy of uh, CFC UK, then uh, obviously you can't get it on a match day because none of us are at the match, including the stall. But you can get it digitally by describing uh, des- describing by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. Uh, you can get it for real, a hard copy, if you... Uh, Email cfcuk at gate17.co.uk and uh, you can subscribe, uh, you know, to get your hard copy in the post every month, £2, which includes the first uh, class post delivery. You can pay by PayPal as well. And there's another thing that I found where you can get it as well. Uh, you can get the app, which is called Match Day Digital, you know, from where you normally get your apps. And they have the fanzine available to buy on there, which is all rather a good wheeze. Anyway, after the break, we're going to talk more about the uh, Chelsea Fulham match or Fulham Chelsea match about the result the dead ends defensive vulnerabilities and all of that malarkey we'll be back in a second real fans real opinions I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea football fancast total nutters and proper Chelsea Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am Stanford Chidge. Him down there is Mr. Jonathan Kidd and his Caribbean retreat. Uh, thank you very much. Lovely to be on the show all the way from the Bahamas. Have you got a lovely bunch of coconuts? Funnily enough, uh, three. I'm a bit of an anomaly. You are indeed. Uh, now, Mr. Clayton Beermond, absolute legend oh. of a man that he is. How are you? Nice to have you on the show. I'm much better than I was last week. I can actually move now. I couldn't move. Yeah, because your week. back was stuff, back, isn't it? Is back, it all... back, yeah. but I'm fine. It was 
hanging from chandeliers and wardrobes, it's sorted it all out. Yeah, you, you can get a, a harness for that kind of thing, Clay. Too much information, though, Jude, surely. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> anyway, keeps him looking young. That's the main thing. Uh, and last, talking of looking young, uh, we've got Dean Mears as well. Evening, Jude. Pleasure to be on the show. Always lovely to see you, mate. Uh, right, now, we were in the middle of talking about the, the Fulham-Chelsea game, and I think... You know, the first, I mean, because it is interesting, isn't it? You know, I kind of said this in the intro, uh, that that there's a massive difference between results and performances. And, I mean, I think my feeling is is that, you know, given given the recent results, JK, I mean, that's our first win in about four, well, first Premier League win in about four matches, I think, certainly since West Ham. I think, you know, I said it on the show on Friday, I think this, is a, this was a must-not-lose as opposed to a must-win. And, of course, I was probably in the minority. But I think, it, you know, to get the win, however shonky the whole thing was, was important to get confidence in a run going. And, I mean, you know, I know what Clayton... I think it was Dean was being quite rude about Fulham, which, of course, I wholeheartedly approve of. Always be rude about Fulham. But they have taken points off Liverpool, Spurs, Southampton and Leicester. They are no mugs. And, again, I will add this. You know, playing against ten men... It's never as easy as people like to think it is because, of course, as Clayton said, what they do is that instead of defending with 10 men behind the ball, they defend with nine. But either way, they're going to make it difficult. So, you know, maybe it maybe it was important to get that win, but I, I have a suspicion that this part will be dedicated to moaning about the performance. I'd, I'd rather not put it down to moaning. I'd rather put it down to being... Uh, I think we're allowed to have a moan. Yeah, but I think... but but um, Have a drink, have a moan. It's in the song, mate. We're allowed. We've got permission. You, you know the song. Yeah, no, mate, well, I was I was on it, you know. No, really, I didn't well, know you? that. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. I've, I've never told any of you. I so teed that up for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea, gonna make you the blue day. That's me in the background. Um, right. Um, uh, <laughs> by the way, speaking of th- of singing, people on mix of um, people listening to this don't know that um, originally it was going to be. Uh, um, don't Damon. tell them. Don't tell them because when they're back on together, we can do it. I know, but it, it, when, it, when is it like to happen? Well, again? I don't know. If, if, you, talk, if you talk about don't it, I'm only going to edit it out. No, but the, I don't care. I'm going to go on with it. You have to edit this out. I'm going to, <laughs> to edit that out anyway. Um, but no, I, no I'd gonna, leave that in normally. We'd leave that bit in. Yeah, we're going to do a Beach, beach Boys uh, um, uh, tribute to both of them, Dane and Dino, and then we're going to wear Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. That's but why I've got it. It never happened. It never happened because, yeah, because Dane couldn't make it. But I thought. Uh, I thought I'd mention it. Just uh, it teases it up for a later, for another occasion, Jude. Listen, old fruit. I'm going to ask you a proper serious football question here. I mean, yes. I mean, look. I I said it in the intro as well. I think that the the thing is profligacy is is Chelsea's big problem. I've got two questions for you, right? Which are kind of the same thing, but I'm going to ask them both. Why did Chelsea? Why did Chelsea consistently run into dead ends when attacking? And why are Chelsea so profligate up front? Can I, can I just go back to what you were saying? I know you've asked me those two questions, but the, the problem is... It's is, reverse psychology, because I knew I, you'd answer the first question if I asked you the second. Oh, no, but don't carry on, because I'll forget what the first question was now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, uh, but, you've forgotten, it, haven't you? No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. It's just, it, just it, it, it worries me slightly that when we were winning and scoring all the goals, because we'd scored more goals than anybody else at a period earlier on, we were talking about... Um, uh, the whole aspects of being an elite club and having elite players. And we really enjoyed the fact that this was the case with the club. We were getting back to that. And we're now talking about finding it difficult to break 10 men down. Yeah, but that's 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 often a problem. 
It's always no, been a problem. No, 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 but it, it, it wouldn't matter if we were playing at the same level that City played at recent, were playing. I've at seen City struggle we were, to, to yeah, beat no, Tottenham. Yeah, but not, not often, not often, not recently. We're talking about recently. We're now, we're now debating Chelsea as if this is a poor side and it's become a poor side. However, earlier on in the season, we weren't a poor side. We were a decent side. And, and it's the it, it's the fall from grace that that Frank is having to cope with at the moment. It's the fall from this, and, I, and not only is he looking miserable, Clayton. I think he's looking older. I think it's actually getting into his face as well. I think there's a huge amount of stress going on here because I don't think he knows what to do. And I, and I I don't I, and also he's we we've suddenly reached an appalling problem with with uh, Aspie, which is that Aspie is now playing as badly as Ivanovic did in his last season. Can we so wait got... to talk about the players? Because I want to okay, know. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Well, I, I know, but I'm, I think it's I think it's part of it, and I don't. I think he's always very good, Frank. Once again, we don't know what's happening in the training ground. The whole Tomori situation, which we're going to get onto, is bizarre. Um, and uh, um, uh, and the same way that he seems to nurture players who've been injured, so they don't come back when they're fit. In the past, if somebody was vaguely fit, they had a game. Now you go, well, they get given a bit of a half, or they get given 15 minutes, and you go, yeah, but they're so much better, even if they're three quarters than that other player in that position. Why don't you play them from early on? And once again, is this, a, is this the, the fitness coach telling them? Is this the doctor telling them they ought to be giving them a certain amount of time? Amount of time? Is this, you know, is it, the, is it a training aspect? Once again, we're, we're not party to all that information. But it, uh, this business about saying, yes, play the best 13 players. Well, what can you do if you suddenly, of the best, you'd have said Werner originally was one of the best players. He's now become com- completely bizarre. This this strange husk of a of a player that we had, and I, I, I'm therefore um, I, I don't know what the best thirteen who the best thirteen players are. So answering that question is I I I think we're we're we yes we are we're we're passing the ball across all the time. The number of people that on every every WhatsApp I was on saying why are we playing like as if we're playing under Sarri before? Why are we just playing the ball backwards and forwards? Why, uh, well, we've gone on it about it before. Neither of the other midfielders, other than Mount, can shoot. Because if you look at it, the amount of the amount of um, uh, of tension that is alleviated if somebody has a decent dip from the edge of the in every other team from the edge of the area that either hits somebody or goes close or uh, creates a corner. All right, we've got lots of few corners, but it was not not from direct shooting. It was just from it's always this playing the ball out to the side and coming in from the side. It's a huge amount of crossing the ball into the middle rather than actually going directly. And at the moment, we don't appear to have the personnel to do it. Or is that something that, you know, if you what I was watching a couple of 2008 games yesterday. And um, once again, that it's the same thing. The ball is as frequently as possible, goes out to the winger who sticks it in the middle. But when you've got Drogba and Anelka on the end of it, or, or the, their challenges they're putting in, the ball becomes spare to the end of the area. And the person who rushes in hits the target. We don't appear to have people able to hit the target. And I wonder how completely important the fact that the two players he selected, Jorginho and Kovacic, cannot shoot. So that, therefore, you it really takes away a huge amount of the possibility of scoring these sudden goals that, that you know, suddenly you don't have the pressure. I, th- I think you just hit a very important nail on a very important head there, you know, which I think kind of sways towards what I was saying and against what you were saying at the beginning, which is, but this is Chelsea. We should, we should win. You know, none of them are any, anywhere near as good as Drogba or Anelka. They're just not, they're not, they're not in that league, mate. They well, might no, that be. That was the reason for buying the six players. Yeah, but they're bought. not, they're not anywhere well, near that yet. No, it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. No. They might so do. Back- they might get there, but they're not anywhere near that. We are not, 
we are not in fact i mean i would venture that i mean if you take that kind of time frame 2005 to 2000 and say 13 and that's probably a stretch we haven't been anywhere near as good as any of those teams in that period in the seven or eight years since qualitatively it, it was huge personality with each player wasn't there yeah. it was, was huge i mean you know cavallio personality but also you know could could pull a whole wall out and the referee wouldn't notice so that it would be available for the for somebody to rush in and score you know the the the, the number of players who who you thought bloody hell you're a good player ashley cole fantastic player and I'm, I, I know, and I'm sorry we have to aspire to that. But one of the reasons for this season was, that, hey, we brought these really rather elite players. But if they then don't perform, well, maybe that was all a load of hype. Well, no, it, it, well, it's our own hype. Well, then, we all got excited. We, we, we? we got all excited and thought. And also, we, we, they, you know what they, they say, they J.K. Really yeah. Don't believe the hype. It's true. Actually, don't believe the hype, mate. Excuse me, isn't that indie band 1990 stuff? That's uh, Public Enemy. I think you'll yeah, find. That's... Not, not really an indie band. No, not, not really. really. <laughs> there we go. Clayton Old Bean. Um, just kind of a whole sum up of that, really. Um, you know, it was important to win, but it was... In, I mean, you touched on it when you were talking in part one about the reasons why it was a bit frustrating, to say the least, you know, and I think that... I mean, I think, you know, go back to those stats that we've got at the beginning. I mean, if you, if you just look at stats, we were we were much, much better... You know, 21 goal attempts, blah, 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 blah. I think they are very, very profligate up front. But I, I have to say, the thing that shocked me uh, on Saturday, really, and again, I'll, I'll point... I mean, do go and read Liam's article on The Athletic about the game. It was a really, really good, well-worked piece. But he meant, made this point. We have such a weakness in the transition, you know, where teams just literally run through us. And they did it two or three times towards the end of the first half, which is why... Why I said we could have been two nil down. So it's not just a profligacy up front. There's a real vulnerability, which I think you're right, Clayton, is the midfield's doing. Yeah, but I just just rewind to what you were saying about Drogba and Nelka and Ricardo Cavallo, etc. Somebody put um, a picture of the 2004-2005 uh, team up on Twitter and basically says none of our current first 11 gets into that side and they were right yeah there, there was there was none but if you basically look at it football in my opinion it's gone downhill because if you say to any manchester united fan look at their great teams with gigs and skulls and beckham none of that you look at their team now that team which is top of the premier league i mean I was looking at, I, I watched that game yesterday, which we, I know I'm not talking about us, but I think that the point is that comparing our older teams to this team is not helpful because those players were once in a generation and we haven't got those players at the moment. Um, one of the things that you said that we've never been that good, I would argue that some of the football we played under Conte was unbelievable uh, the 5-0 win against Everton, everybody that was there says it was the best game they've ever seen in terms of how well we played. So I think we we shouldn't get ourselves too worked up about the fact that we haven't got Drogba's and we haven't got Terry's and all this, that and the other. What I do think is that, and I find this absolutely extraordinary, that our manager was one of the best midfield players who ever played. 
our assistant manager was a fantastic midfield player. What he did with his career was a great shame. I know that Rick Glanville actually says that Jody Morris was the best youth player he'd ever seen. Both midfield players, and yet, from my perspective, the midfield this season is just not right, and it's only been right once, and that's with Kante, Mount, and Havertz. Now, you were talking earlier on about the fact that you have to protect players and there's COVID and we're playing a lot more games, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we're not playing a lot more games. Uh, the, the difference is being that we didn't have the two months in between seasons. Um, but the fact is that Havertz has played about four and a half minutes in four months, as far as I can see. Um, I was very disappointed when they went down to 10 men and they were going to be even more stubborn that Frank didn't make a decision at half time. Uh, th- this is this is a problem. It's fear. That team was picked not to lose on Saturday for what was kind of bears out got... bears out my point about must not yeah. lose. Yeah, yeah. But but if we've got any hope of finishing in the top four, we had to win on Saturday. I don't think there was any doubt about that. But you know the the fact that we were scared not to put a creative player on and okay Havertz hasn't been great but Havertz won't be great sitting on the fucking bench um the the fact is that I the defense is vulnerable is more vulnerable because there's nothing stopping it in midfield Kante um if Kante is playing and Mount's playing a deeper role there's more protection if Havertz is sitting in front of them I don't think Cover's a bad player but Cover's gone Covers not having a good season. Um, so there's no protection. As I said earlier, I don't think changing the defence, unless there's an injury, is is ever a good idea. Um, and <laughs> am I queuing you now on to the next section where we talk about Asby? Well, well, why not? Because... I mean, I, I although I, I tell you, just park it there, and yes, we will, because I think we, we need to hear from Dean, really, about all of that, because yeah. I'm sure Dean Dean will, will add his own idiosyncratic views on all of that. So, I mean, the result versus the performance, profligacy up front, defensive vulnerability, Dino? Yeah, for me, the the main issue is that they've they've had a full week to prepare for Fulham. And, you know, they've switched to free at the back recently, but, you know, you know that. It wasn't a tactical surprise that Fulham played 3-5-2. And that they'd swamp the midfield, because that's what they yeah. do. Yeah. So, I mean, we know that and... We have no coaching badges. You know, you'd think that the manager of Chelsea Football Club would know that and put a team out to, to counter that and to put their, their best foot forward, so to speak. And like Clayton said, when they've gone down to 10 men, remove one of those midfielders and put in Havertz and, you know, stretch their team as much as you can to create spaces. The, we sat on our hands because, we, like you said, we were scared not to lose the game and, you know, we ended up almost losing it anyway. We got lucky with a few of their breaks forward that they... You know, scuffed their chances and were wasteful in attack. The whole thing reeks of a crisis of confidence, and you know, mm. Frank's obviously on thin ice anyway because he's not in the top four at the minute. You know, and you, like you said, the business of the club is Champions League. His job will depend on that this year, and the players as well. They don't look like they know what they're doing half the time. It's an interesting thing, isn't it, Dean? Because, you know, something that's just occurred to me, boys, is that we've had this, this is like Groundhog Day. We seem to have had this conversation about this these Chelsea teams 
almost every year for the last five years. And I think it goes back to a lot of what you were all saying in part one when we were talking about mount and leadership, JK. And, and, and you know, this team seems bereft of them, but so was last season, so was the season before. And the minute they hit a bit of a, a wall... They don't seem to know what to do. When that confidence goes, that's when you need your big players to step in and say, oi, you know, kick them up the arse, put the fear of God into them, drag them over the, you know, over the obstacles. And they just don't, not just this team, I think it's been a common problem for Chelsea over the last four or five years. And no manager seems to be able to like, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter who they are, whether it's Mourinho, whether it's Sarri, whether it's Conte, once they, they lose it, they find it really hard to get back. You'd have thought, though, given that the uh, three of the back four are all are all veterans. You Rudiger, would have thought, wouldn't you? Rudiger, Rudiger Zuma and Aspie. You'd yeah. have thought that they'd have been in everybody's face about this. But, you would have uh, thought, wouldn't you? But we're not. We don't appear to be getting that. I mean, I, uh, um, uh, I mean, we were thinking. You know, Silver was handed the armband, wasn't he, initially? And you were thinking, well, perhaps it's because he's such a great influence. But if his English is little. Um, uh, perhaps that's not going to be a possibility. Rudiger is clearly a kind of loose cannon, and um, perhaps he just abuses people too much. Perhaps that's that. So that's not his role, rather than encouragement. But I'm not. Uh, I'm not picking up anybody winding people up to perform better. But it's not not just by what they say, is it, J.K.? No, I mean, but it, but J, J.T. would well, lead from the front. He would. Yeah, he yeah, he would up get his involved. game. Drogba the same. Yeah, you would, you would. It's yeah. the energetic thing. I, once again, you use Mount as a kind of template, don't you? Which is, as you say, Mount is always so he's, energetic. I think he's like that. The great energy is is yeah. is great. But you'd think, why aren't the rest of the team coming up to that um, to that mark? Um, it's a mentality it's, it's, thing, isn't it? But it's also a, a speed thing, isn't it? It's a. It, it, we seem to be able to play. The, the more the ball is, the quicker the ball is passed. The more it, it disrupts the op- opposition and the the better the team seem to get into positions to create chances. So if there's a kind of lethargic, the ball ends up going to the winger and everybody runs into the penalty area and uh, they try and work something out, but it gets passed back. You, you almost know that nothing is going to come of the attack. And because they've all pushed forwards, you know that Jorginho will never get back quickly enough because he isn't quick enough. And I'm trying to work out when our best, what our best setup was. Was it, or was it Kante just being very disciplined and playing back? With, with mountain habits is that why we were so good it was was it because he was actually in um uh playing in that slightly more defensive role you know is that what we're going to be looking forward to on tuesday will he then well, uh, we, we won't because he's out he's done his hamstring apparently but what can't i have yeah but we'll, we'll talk about in the leicester preview okay but but can I, I just yeah can yeah I talk about Aspie briefly well can let's get in well i mean before you do i just want to agree yeah. with you really and i say i think the answer to that is 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 that tempo you know, when it slows down, we're easy to defend against. When we pick the pace up and we are moving the ball around quickly and slickly, we're hard to defend against. You know, and I think it is that simple. Skill. Every manager always says at the game, at the end of the game, it's really good we played so well against such an one of their one of the top exceptional sides in the league. And mm. you keep thinking, are we seeing that? Or is that the, yeah. how they're playing? And they are supposedly all very classy players, but we're not having, we're 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 not seeing them elevate their performances so you know it's no um to have uh, um scott parker say oh it's a very good chelsea side well is, is he bigging his own side up because um i wasn't watching them thinking this is a really good side i was watching thinking this is a side not playing to their potential well, like i, I said playing all the right notes but not necessarily in the right, the right order asby asby um um you can tell that he's 
it, it, he's losing it because he's giving away fouls in ridiculous positions, really dangerous positions because he's not there quickly enough. And uh, uh, and he's just, you know, it, it, it's that thing. We all spotted it in Ivanovic, who's one of my favourite ever players, who but you, you can see it in abundance if you watch West Bromwich Albion. He just doesn't even go towards the ball to make a block. He just stands there wincing with his hands behind his back. Um, but uh, uh, no, it's just, you know, we'll go on forever. He's never been able to cross. It's even worse. If there's a man standing in front of him in any way, he will hit them. Um, and the attack just then fails miserably, even no matter what room he's in and what space he's got. Um, he's just uh, not as quick as he used to be um, um, and and gives the ball away. I mean, uh, you know, we love him and I want him to be to perform to the same level he always has done. But there comes a time where you think, you know, if James is fit, surely he must play James. If. Well, one, yeah, but... but I, I, is is it is he going to have a knee operation? Let's I make the, make the decision. I, I, have the knee operation. Let's write. I'd rather they it, did it's that. It's terrible time. timing, isn't it? Because I remember oh. I remember saying, you know, last season, Clayton, Reese James is good enough now to uh, displace Aspie. But don't worry, because you know, if James is injured or suspended, we've still got Aspie who can still do it. And now we're at a stage where Aspie. Is not good enough for the first eleven, I'm afraid, and it, and I hate to say that because I I love the little bloke to pieces. He's such a, he was such a great player for us, been such a great servant. He's also a thoroughly decent bloke, but now James is um, injured, and I would imagine will be on and off injured for the rest of the season. We are very exposed at right back, aren't we? Wish we hadn't sold Lamptey. Um, well, there there is that, uh, but there, there's there's a couple of other things which people forget that Rudiger can play. Rudiger can play right back. <coughs> Tomori can play right back. Well, Tomori's on loan. Uh, well, exactly, but I'm just making the point that the, the, these are situations that haven't been resolved, and it's gonna, you know, it's very difficult um, because, okay, Asby didn't have a good game, but. You're talking about leaders, and we, we've talked about Asby before, and, and Asby shows leadership in other ways. Um, and it would have been very difficult for Frank to leave Asby out um, as arguably the, the most senior player at the club and play somebody else when Asby can still do a job. He's not completely hopeless and he's not completely gone. Um but he's he's in the decline, you know. That there is there is no doubt about that. Happens um, to us all, mate. I know, I know. <laughs> I can't remember when I when my decline started. Yeah. It was that long ago. D- Dean's um, yet, Dean is yet to come. He's still Mason Mount, mate. <laughs> you know, and, and and you've got Liveramenta as well. So it, it there there are options. I mean, that that's definitely the case. Um, as you say, he's he's an absolute legend, and and will be uh, forever more. But the, the fact is that our defence and the way we get forward and the speed with which we get forward um, and the, the conversion of crosses it just diminishes if Asby's in the side. Um, and it's just a fact. So, you know, Frank is, is hampered if, if, uh, if Reese can't play um, and the defence and the attack are diminished if Reese can't play. So... Um, it just exacerbates the the problems that we've got at the moment. Mm. Dean, by all means, pitch in on Aspie, although I feel we're kicking a man when he's down, really. But 
Um, I also want to talk about Werner talking about kicking a man while he's down. Um, I think in particular, I, I just feel for him. I, I think he's just hit one of those patches where nothing will go right from his confidence is shredded. He looked, he looked in torture at the end and it was really good to see Frank uh, you know, I mean, I think this is this is one of the. I mean, people forget this, I think, but this is one of the benefits of having Frank as manager. He's not that long out of the game, and I think that a lot of chatter in the press uh, since Saturday was, you know, he he would have been in the team when Torres was going through his his torturous spell. So he he knows what it's like for these guys, and I I was really pleased to see that that was captured uh, on the telly and and in and, and on the photos that he was consoling. Timo and he has his back but I do wonder if uh, Timo needs a rest to just you know get away from the spotlight a bit trying too hard just get that rhythm back maybe do that in training and then 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 let him go I don't know what you think about that and as I said by all means pitching on Aspie too. Just quickly on Asby, I'd, I'd say I think he's been a bit let down by the wings in front of him as well. Well ZH yeah. being non-existent in terms of tracking back you mean? Yeah I mean we had the conversation start I think of last season when before William came back from from his um, uh, fitness, and so when William came back and was able to defend with him, sort of no one spoke about Asby anymore. And I think yeah. you know, when you leave him exposed, yeah. he is on the decline. But well, did you remember that bit where Aina basically just ran into acres of space down the left and yeah. uh, down Fulham's left, and Asby was like seen in the kind of you know about about three minutes later trying to check, track him back, you know, but nobody had picked him up before that, as in Ziyech. Yeah, exactly. So when someone is sort of on that decline and they've lost a bit of a yard, you do need to, if they're going to play, you've got to be able to put support in place for them. And Ziyech doesn't do that. I think hudson Adoy is getting much better at that part of his game. So perhaps that was a mistake from Frank not picking him to start to support Asby. Um, on Werner, I'm not sure what the answer is. You know, I think he, his confidence is going to come from scoring and he can't score when he's not on the pitch. But at the minute he can't score when he's on the pitch anyway. And he was you know, in positions that we would have said, you know, that that's what he does. You know, he get, and actually talking of Hudson Odoi, mate, I thought those the, those you know quick passes into uh, Werner were just brilliant. That's exactly what J.K. is talking about when you need to really up the tempo. But those were perfect for him. And I mean, he put it miles wide, which tells you he was thinking about it too much. It was that one dreadful moment where we was with people were showing how that I think an outside of the foot pass that. Uh, Adoy does, which is a sign to me of a, a really class player. In fact, um, uh, De Bruyne sent his centre for, for one of the goals, headed goals. I think one of Stones. Stones. Yeah, Stones was a kind of outside of the foot thing. And Adoy can do that at will. And, he, and it went straight to Werner, who re- trapped it with his left foot and then kicked it ahead about a yard with his right foot. And you thought, this is a player who has just somehow, something has happened to him and he just... He can't deal with this at all because the Pressure. the Werner yeah the Werner of earlier on in the season would just have not even bothered. He'd have snapped it up, gone past the player and scored. Yeah, I think there is. I mean, let, let's let's talk about. I, I, I'd like to talk just to finish this part up. Really, just talk about Tammy and and Hudson Odoi. Actually, you know, and Frank Frank did change it on seventy five minutes. Effectively, I think going four four two, and and Tammy, uh, you know, Tammy was instrumental in that. I thought. And again, I, I think he just adds something that none of our other strikers do, which is a lot of movement, really good work rate. I mean, he's still 
and I think we need that work rate. I mean, that, that's that's you know, I think something that can really help us at the moment. But he's still not just clinical enough. But now I can't. I nicked this. I'm going to apologise to whoever I've nicked this from. It might have been Liam. It could have been somebody else. But I just thought this was brilliant. I may, may have been Heon, in fact. I don't know. I can't remember. They said the player who made the difference was Callum Hudson Odoi again with superior part. Oh, it might be Andy Saunders actually. I don't know. Whoever it was, I apologise for nicking it and not remembering who I nicked it from. The player who made the difference was Callum Hudson Odoi again with superior passing. His pass to Chilwell opened up Fulham in the lead up to the goal. He looks more of a threat and has a better work rate than Pulisic and Ziyech, and he has to start for one of them going forward. He is the wide player in form and deserves to start. Reading that, it might have actually been Barnet, but anyway, I can't remember. I think Clayton that that absolutely sums it up for me, and and we were we were clamouring for him to start before the game. Um, I I think if you compare, I mean, we'll hopefully talk about it in the Leicester preview, but I think he's 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 playing better and with more, um, you know, product, shall we say, output than Pulisic, and. You know, when it comes to work rate, he absolutely pisses on Ziyech at the moment, who's way off the pace, I think. Yeah, I th- I think, uh, I mean, I t- as part of the tweet before the game, uh, I basically said that him not starting was scandalous. And it was scandalous because if you recall last week, I talked about um, a meritocracy in, in basically playing. And there was no meritocracy in that side on Saturday because if they would have been, then Gilmore and CHO both would have started. Um, he looked great when he came on, and he has looked great every time he's played recently and come on. Um, I, I think I don't. I don't know. I, th- I think this all goes down to the fact that we spent a lot of money, and so should those players be playing ahead of him? No, you know, you should play the best player in form and and Frank has said it's all about what they do on the training pitch and you can't tell me that that's that, that that Callum hasn't sort of you know done well in training um it's it just it doesn't make any sense at all but the the point is that that you know when Callum came on he came on the same sort of time as when Jorginho went off and I'm not this is not a Jorginho bashing exercise this is just a fact when Jorginho went off the tempo increased and that's just what's happened. And Callum was part of that tempo increasing. And so there was speed and therefore, you know, we created a number of chances. Obviously Fulham were going to tire in that last 20 minutes, but it's no coincidence. And maybe, you know, maybe we're we're actually not um, giving Lampard the praise that he brought on the players at the right time when when Fulham were, you know, were, were tiring. I think one of the things that does get lost, and it, you know, we are talking like it was a defeat. I mean, that our whole attitude is basically that we lost on Saturday, which quite obviously we didn't lose on Saturday. But what's relatively interesting is the fact that, you know, okay, Fulham had a great chance towards the end of the first half, but we should have been two up. You know, Mason Mount, God bless him, and and he is a, a, a absolute wonder kid. He should have buried that ball. In the first the half, one that hit the we bar. scored. Yeah, you know, and we had other chances. We had good chances, and if you think about, you know, towards the end of the game, um, we should have scored another two goals. So, I mean, you know, we could have easily won that game four. Which four is one, which goes four, back to my nil. point about profligacy again. Absolutely, and we we said it last week. You know, like I, I said that that um, athletic podcast where where our XGs, you know, 
Oh, which I still don't understand. We were basically talking about the fact that had we been more clinical in front of goal, we would be so much further up the table and nobody would be actually moaning or saying that, you know, we've got problems. Yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, the the, the reality is uh, we did win. You're right. I think, I th- you know, I, I think we all forget this because we're so, you know, wrapped up in it and passionate and we love to win and it depresses us when we lose. But it's really hard to, to have that objectivity but, you know, football, as in everything in life, is all about context. And I think we miss those nuances a lot. And, you know, we hadn't won in the Premier League since West Ham. And that was four matches ago. Confidence is, you know, down the toilet. You know, you don't, you can't expect a team to just pitch up and play like peak 1970 Brazil when they're in that kind of form. You have to do it steadily. And you have to start by winning games. And then when you start winning games, they become a habit. And when they become a habit, you start playing with more freedom and more confidence. And that's kind of really what happens. So in the context of where we were, you know, a spawny 1-0 win to Fulham where we, you know, were profligate and it should have been more, will do for now. And as it happens, as it happens, uh, we are seventh in the league. And we are only, um, we're, well, we're, we're, we're eight points off United who are in top. Uh, six points off uh, City in second and only five points off current champions Liverpool so you know there's still a long way in the season to go and I, I mean if they can go on one one unbeaten run for a while I'm sure they can do it again but they won't do it unless they start winning matches and that's what they did on Saturday against Fulham so there you go now um, there's loads more to come on the show oh actually mm, I'm going to save that for the last a bit actually but there's uh, loads more to come on the show as you know we've got emails coming up in a minute but before we do that our ritualistic plug of the Chelsea Supporters Trust um, a very worthwhile thing to uh, to belong to particularly at a time when there's a massive disconnect between the supporters and the club because we're not allowed to go at the moment um, basically five quid to be a member annually so five quid a year that means you can vote in our meetings and you can take part in our surveys and you can uh, attend meetings we we do plan to have a um, a special general meeting which will be held by zoom for obvious reasons you can also be a non-voting member for free but why would you do that when you could vote you know it makes makes no sense to do that to me anyway chelseasupporterstrust.com they are on the uh, on twitter at chelsea s trust uh and of course equally important is the uh, chelsea pitch owners um if you want to own a piece of chelsea then you need to get yourself a cpo share uh, owning a share means you have a share of the freehold of the stadium and that protects it from being sold to a property developer in the future, as has almost happened in the past. Now, this, of course, ensures that football is played at Stamford Bridge in its spiritual home forever. And uh, shares are priced, I think the lowest one's 31 quid, and you can pay up to 210 quid for a signed framed version which is presented on the pitch, although obviously not at the moment. Uh, I have uh, My CPO share is framed and it's signed by Frank Lampard. That is all you need to know. So there you go. Now, they're on the website, on the Chelsea official website, just, you know, punching Chelsea pitch owners in the search bit. All right, we'll be back in a minute, and we've got all your emails. I'm excited. I hope you are too. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with your uncle Stamford Chidge here. 
uh, grandfather Jonathan Kidd? Nephew, nephew, surely. No, that's Dean. No, Connie B, um, grandson. Yeah, what, your grandson? Yeah. Yeah, all right, so we've got Jonathan Kidd, grandfather Jonathan Kidd, grandson Dean Mears, and favourite uncle Clayton Beerman. <laughs> That always sounds so dodgy these oh, days. Yeah, I was thinking, thinking, of, thinking of Uncle Ernie, mate, but, no, but maybe not. Coupled with the housewife's choice. God, bloody oh, yeah, what a combination. He is, he, is the, he is the housewife's choice. I forgot to call him the housewife's choice this week. Anyway, we've got lots of emails, JK. We better do our thing. Do our thing. Do our groove thing. Los Barnes. Uh, I wonder if we're related, Loz. My mother was a Barnes. Wouldn't that be nice? Was she a um, Barnes from Barnes? Funnily enough, yeah, she was. Yeah. <laughs> did they name it after her? Yeah, they did. She was originally a Norwood from Norwood, but she changed her name. Better, than, better a Norwood from Norwood than a Surbiton from Surbiton, I suspect. <laughs> but there you go. Oh, well. Um, afternoon, chaps. Um, evening, it is here, but never mind. Um, having seen Frank post FA Cup game talk about Tamori, I figured I'd have to write again and ask your views on why Frank, Frank has a blind spot here. No issue with Silver and Zuma as first choice right now, although Happy could do with some work on his first touch and distribution. But Tamori is already better than the other two. Rudy and Andy should be being shipped out. Frank took him to Derby, played him and made him an international early doors at the bridge. Claims he trains well. I just don't get it. Do any of your networks have a theory here? Thanks for what you do, giving the fans a true voice. Thank you very much, Roz. As an inside, as a, as an aside, Chelsea fans need your voices on YouTube to get you the wider audience you deserve. Cheers, Loz. Well, Chig, why don't we record this and put it up on uh, YouTube? Well, um, I'll tell you why. I I think that it looks wank. That's a pretty good response. Well, I'll tell you what we could do. What we could do, we could we could blank you out. What you mean, like uh, you mean like that? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great. And we could be on it, and we could decide whether we're wank or not. Well, I tell you what, it's not just that. Um, I kind of like my anonymity. Anonymity. Okay. Yes, because of what I do uh, for a living. There is yeah, a very yeah. sad. There is a very sad tale to this, actually, that I don't know if any of you lot know, let alone Laws. But um, as as he's rightly pointed out, we did have a a, a wonderful YouTube channel which had loads and loads of stuff that we'd done, you know. I mean, when, you know, because we're such, you know, A-list a Chelsea celebs, we get asked to be on TV all the time. So all that's like that funny little thing that we did in the car going on the way out there. Remember that, JK? Yes. yes. Yeah, so, you know, we, we, we've done all sorts of that. But, of course, we were on we were on Sports Tonight Live for about a year and a half, two years. So every Monday, the, the, the main podcast was also like a six-part YouTube fest. And we used to put that up there, and it was great until... Um, basically, YouTube changed it. I think Google took over YouTube, and you had to have a, 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 a well. Basically, my email account no longer worked to get me into YouTube, so I I don't have access to YouTube anymore, and I don't know how to get it back. It's in, it's like trying to break into Fort Knox. So I've just it's just sat there, and I can't I can't do anything with it because it's attached to an email address that doesn't exist anymore. Well, you could use mine. Yeah, but mate, we had like, I mean, do you know what the, I mean, not that we ever have done this show for money. I, I swear to God, hand on heart. I mean, God, <laughs> if we did, we'd be bonkers. But um, it's had like loads and loads of, of fucking hits, mate. 
Well, that's my point. Then why did we? Why aren't we doing it? Well, because I want you know. I, I, I don't know if somebody out there who knows about YouTube can tell me how I can get back into our our Chelsea Fancast account. I tell you what, I will make you this promise that we will put some stuff, some YouTube stuff content up there for you. All right. So if somebody knows how to do it, you let me know. ChelseaFancast at gmail dot com. Um, the other question is Tamori Clayton. Um, I have no, I don't know anybody in the Chelsea fraternity who has any idea what has happened to Tamori. Nobody I know. It's like it's like the Bermuda Triangle, mate. It's one of the world's great unknown mysteries. It's scandalous. It's absolutely scandalous. If he goes with an option to buy, it's it's a joke. He is from what I have seen in the times that he has played, he's a better footballer than Christensen and Rudiger. Mate, I'm, uh, I'm a better footballer than Christensen. You know, the I know, I know, I think it was Matt Law that basically has said that the club are, are scared that if they sell uh, Christensen, they'll, they'll have another Kevin De Bruyne situation on their hands. Really? I can't see that. I mean, I, I could see him sort of playing in another league in another country, but he's not suited to premiership. He's not tough enough. Um, and Tamori looks great, has looked great. And I just think I, it, it's got to be personal. <laughs> there is, there is no footballing reason for him not playing. Which of course we'll, we'll, we'll never find out. I mean, Matt Law also said, and I think Liam said it as well, that actually the price of 25 million quid for the buyout is a price that, that Milan are unlikely to be able to afford or want to pay. So it's not like they're going to let him... I, I mean, the, the chances are, boys, that he, he will come back. Right. Jay, Jay, like a, a Milan guy also tweeted, I, I saw a thread, a Milan supporter came in and said the state of the club at the moment is they can't afford that. Yeah, there you can't go. Afford 30 million. So there um, you go. But, but no, but can, can, my, my, my fear with this is that we're all making judgments once again based on the odd performance. We don't see him enough. You know, like he's no, become true. magnified as a player because of non, not playing. You know, it, it's it's um it's it's always the, the fear if somebody doesn't play, you get, don't get an opportunity to see whether they're actually doing well or not. And surely, surely Frank is making a decision based on what's happening in training. Surely, perhaps he's got yeah, an. But John, Jonathan, I I, yeah. I agree. You know, there's a lot of players who, and and let's face it, Reese James achieved legendary status when he was injured and mm. hadn't played for the first team, you know, it's, oh, when Reese James come back, it's all going to be fine. You know, th there's a lot of people who don't play and you think, oh, they're fantastic. But the simple fact is, this is not so much about Tamori. It's about what is being left at the club. Yeah. And what yeah. we have seen with our own eyes. There's not anybody, I don't know, Dean, what do you think? Do you, do you think Christensen is deserving of a place in our squad ahead of Tamori or indeed ahead of anybody else from what you've seen? Well, absolutely not. You know, you'd think if they're worried about the new De Bruyne with Christensen, just put a buyback in and solve that issue. You know, yeah, he's not a Simple. Premier League centre-back. Yeah. Simple as yeah. that. He might be a good centre-back somewhere else, but he won't be in the Premier League for anyone else no, no. who signs him. Totally agree, Dino. We just need to... Tamori don't know what's going on. Yeah. So... Oh, well, I'm afraid we won't get to the bottom of that one, Loz. By the way, Loz, uh, welcome to Patreon, and thank you very, very much. And uh, I think I've sent you the Discord link, so hopefully we'll see you in there sometime too, soon as well. Uh, oh, 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 sorry. Whoa, whoa, drum, drum roll, whoa. drum roll. Whoa. We've got an email from JK. 
Shaz. Shaz the return. Shaz the reply. Shaz who has ruffled so many feathers. I love it. You can see how much I'm grinning. I love a disruptor. I love a disruptor. We're all grinning. We're all grinning. I know. Shaz, bless his heart. No, I I actually, I should, uh, uh, you know, total... uh, um, um, I can't think of the word. I've gone. I'm having a brain fart. But uh, transparency or whatever, disclosure, full disclosure. Um, I did actually email Shaz, you know, because I was aware that he got a bit of a kicking, and I and I thought, well, you know, fair play to him for writing in. I got no. I wanted to assure him I had no problem with that. So there we go. He says hi, Chidge. Uh, thanks for your email. Wait, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, Chidge. Hang on. What? Don't start it with hi, Chidge. But that's what it says. Do you want me to fucking show you? It says hey, Chidge. So it does. Yeah. And also, you, you started it with, hi, Chidge, in that voice, you have to say, I'm Shaz, I'm going to speak like this now. I was indicating that he's my new friend, actually. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, sorry. So anyway. get back in your box and let me read the email. I'm in my box. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Hey, Chidge. Is that better? Okay, fine. <laughs> hey. One more, Chidge. One more. Okay, one more. One more. Hey, Chidge. Good, good. Yeah, okay. Can I just say that I need to be in bed by Yeah, I know, I know. Hey, Chidge, thanks for your email. I've listened to every pod since, and to be honest, I've laughed my arse off as much as many have fumed. Uh, I was listening to the In Off The Post pod live, but I couldn't work out where I could chat to everyone. Well, it's quite easy, Shaz. You just basically... I think you uh, join uh, our Mixler channel, and then you can just chat away to your heart's content in the chat room. But anyway... Maybe you could help. Uh, is is it a Patreon Discord thing? No, not it's free. Mixler's free. Anyway, it was great fun before I got threatened, so I had to nip to the shop to buy a Kevlar snood. Only joking, my opinions do more damage. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, in regards to my initial email, I think it's important I clear up my gender. I am most certainly a guy, and I'm not a plant. As in... Oh, he says actually he makes the joke, although I do like my celery. Uh, I feel there is I feel like there's a lot to respond to from the replies to my email from the guests who who emailed in. I just don't know how to exactly go about that. The email definitely was not a wind up, although I feel like the uh, why, although I feel like remaining mysterious. I would definitely add to the suspense and maybe a shaz hunt could begin. However, I definitely agree my email was fueled by rage and emotion, contrary to what I wrote. Uh, it sounded a lot more hostile when you read it out loud than it did in my head while typing. Oh, well, shit happens. I really, I totally know what you mean by that. Which is why one should always take a bit of a pause for a reflection, Shaz. Take it from one who knows. Um, I just want to clarify a few points, such as my dislike for Lampard, which is purely for his management style, not personally, nor his playing career. In fact, having been a match mascot in 2005, as well as meeting him in the East Stand reception once to sign a drawing I did for him, he is a genuinely lovely person, and it was an honour to stand next to him and speak to him. I just don't agree with how he decides to manage on the touchline and conduct interviews. It's like he's lost in his thoughts while the game is passing him by, which is why I dug out Jody. I feel a more experienced assistant might actually wake him up from his snooze. I also want to correct a typo I made regarding us losing to the worst Arsenal side in a century. I definitely meant decade, as I can't discuss past areas that I have little knowledge about, so apologies for that. It may change the dynamic of that conversation now. Oh, and speaking of Arsenal, I bloody hate them, and I'm certainly not an Arsenal fan. I only watch them when I'm feeling rather shit and want to cheer myself up. 
Also, it's worth mentioning that although I realise my experience of Chelsea growing up has been fueled by success and trophies galore, I also recognise the roller coasters that certain other clubs have gone through in that period, which is exactly why I'm so passionate about us not dropping our standards. It's also a point that although we haven't won major honours over my time as a supporter, we have also had some excruciating losses and low points in amongst all this glory. So I don't think I'm blinded by the glistening silver trophy cabinet and do realise there's always a journey to success. I was praising the team and Lampard all day long during our unbeaten streak and some top performances over the last 18 months, and so my opinion right now is purely based on the present, while also considering the lack of crowds, COVID and manic game schedule. Lastly, the image of the younger generation of fans is something uh, is definitely something worth exploring, in my opinion. I listen to a variety of people. I shall name drop them. Chelsea Fancast, London is Blue, Matisse, Alex Goldberg, Straight Outta Cobham, Chessie Hour and Eunice HH. Well, you know, three out of uh, eight's not bad. Uh, these are as well as the Sky Sports, BT and ESPN punditry. So I like to think I've taken a wide variety of opinions while building my while building my own. And I appreciate your respecting my views as they are. I find it extremely interesting how everyone seems to view the current situation differently. It would be good to get a mix of people like this on together at some point to see what debates could be thrown up, as many of them are of a younger generation. The thing that bugs me is the stigma attached to anyone classed as young. I don't play FIFA and personally think it's a load of old bollocks. If you want to play football, grab a ball and go to the park. Also, I have Twitter, but I only follow those mentioned above and a few journos. So for those who think that I or anyone else who's young only understands football from a PlayStation controller or from a bird app, it's just ignorant to the thought of young supporters actually forming valid opinions. I actually agree with all of that, Shaz. That's well put. Anyway, enough of me going off on another tangent. I just wanted to clarify the points that I remember being raised, but I also want to see how we get on against Fulham. It's my birthday on Saturday, so I tell you now, if we don't win, all hell may break loose, and you will certainly receive another essay from me. There is no excuse not to beat Fulham. Well, we haven't had an email, so I'm presuming he had a good birthday. Anyway, but in essence, I agree in retrospect that my email may have come across very brash and rude, and in hindsight, I may have worded things differently. However, I will still stick by what I meant. I would love to go through all the players one by one, but I just can't see you reading out all of that. Do let me know if you will, and I can probably construct an email dedicated to how I would do things going forward. My younger brother suggests that Sarri, with this group of players may very well have produced the best Sarri ball to have ever played. Well, you see, you, you, you had me until then, Shaz, and it's all gone now. Anyway, it's an interesting thought, but also hearsay, as I could never see him being back with that squad or his integration of youth anyway. In closing, I'd like to say that I really appreciate you reading it and getting in touch, and although agreeing, it was good to see Jonathan was a bit more responsive to some of my rage. I sense he wants to agree a lot more with me, but is afraid you may, el- may eliminate his tea breaks. Absolutely, Shaz, you rumbled me there. Is it weird that I feel like a villain on the show? This is the first time I've ever emailed or interacted with any football-related podcast or show, and the notoriety I've received is wicked. Imagine being famous with a different opinion. I just need to protect my throat from the almighty punch I'm due, apparently, to receive. All in all, you guys and gals are amazing, and I hope to one day send in a voice note instead. I see quite a few of the other shows using that method to interact with the fans, so maybe it's time. Enjoy the rest of your week, mate, and look forward to listening to the preview show. I predict a 3-0 win. Cheers, and up the chairs, Chaz. Uh, well, first of all, Chaz, that a brilliant response. Well well played, and fair play to you, mate. Brilliant. Um, voice notes. Yes, I think that's, a, that's an idea, though. We, we've got a voice note capacity on Discord, and that was one of the reasons I set it up. I need to sort that out. But I ought to add, you know, all these 
little clever younger people doing podcasts and things, thinking they're ever so clever doing voice messages. We were doing a live radio show on radio with people phoning in. So, you know, I think that's slightly better. Um, but brilliant, Shaz. Well done. Love to hear from you. And that's a lovely response. JK. Beautifully written. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't it? And really yeah. magnanimous of him, too. I mean, I think he, he, he kind of, you know, realised he'd been, a, you know, gone off a bit at half cock and was a bit ranty. But there's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, I think, the point, I think we should get younger people on the uh, on the, the podcast. So um, who's younger than uh, than Dino here? Nobody. Who can we get? There are 50- people yet to be born that are not as young as Dean. A 15-year-old? Should we get a 15-year-old? I don't think so, because that would probably be a bit difficult considering the kind of the content that we discuss most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll the get album. my boy on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's already been on Love Sport, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he has, yeah. Anyway, Paul Schrag. Yeah, yeah, I'm just mindful of us moving on, because Clayton will leave halfway through otherwise. Clayton, Clayton is already disgruntled, I can see. <laughs> what? Disgruntled. Disgruntled. <laughs> He's got. His... It's just the way. It's just the way I'm sitting, Jonathan. <laughs> is that what it is? Okay. It's just the body language. Just the fact your you, your hand. It's is an old a... Eric Morecambe gag, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It's. Uh, it's. Um, yes. Yeah. It's the way you tell them. It, it's nice out yep. today, is it? Oh, full my... shrag. Yeah, full shrag. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> and not scrag. Yeah, because it's not scrag, everybody. It's shrag. Um, hello, Chidge JK and all the magnanimous guests. Are you magnanimous, guys? Yeah, good. Uh, I hope this finds you all safe and well and in good spirits. few weeks, JK, it's me, read my first email, and I'd like to thank him for taking the time to read it all out. Well, I could have read half of it, couldn't I? So he makes a good point. And thanks for the panel taking the time to, dis- taking the time to discuss my topics. I'd also like to thank JK for pronouncing my last name correctly. Yeah, it's not always the norm for me in Canada. This has got me smiling. I found in the last few years, I've come to really value your opinions and inputs on our beloved blues. So if you will allow, I would like to go on a little rant that will come with two points forward slash questions. Shall I up the tempo as it's a rant? As of this writing, Tuesday the 12th, we've gotten a much gotten, he says, a much needed win against a lower team. This should help release the pressure valve on Frank a little bit. We have to remember we need to start producing against real competition. And after we take on Fulham, we should get a true test against Leicester. I think it would be a massive mistake to overlook the form that we had in December. The biggest contributor to December, in my opinion, is this. We've got a young team. Sure, we've got some elders to teach the way. And while the talent is there, the biggest thing missing in December was player accountability. Throughout December, we would see games where players were acting like they deserved the win with their attitudes. Sure, we have Mason, Billy and Callum who run until their legs fall off. But what I'm getting at is the attitude. Yes, Frank can yell from the manager's box all game. And it's great to see Mason doing his best energizer bunny impression but what we really needed to see was the moment after that a moment of accountability where mason runs his fanny off only to see Jorginho take the ball while trotting around like a poodle at a dog show and pass it backwards yes to have mason turn and call out Jorginho at that moment depending on the player this could either inspire accountability or foster resentment I suppose but if we have all players holding each other to a higher expectation that could prevent resentment 
I remember earlier in the season, I think it was October, when Hakim dimed across into the box that Turbo Timo just overshot. Hakim stared down Timo, which kind of put Timo on notice. And for the rest of that game, Timo had a fire lit under his ass. Sorry, ass. But in December, we didn't see anything like this. If players are not being held to each other, we end up seeing what we saw. We see players walking around for 75 minutes of the game, players going down after a slight touch and staying down instead of getting up and blazing back to correct. I think that's Christensen. We see lacklustre play and the inability to press the other team to get the ball back. The Manchester City game was the perfect example of this. That was 85 minutes of a game where there was no accountability to each other on the pitch and no one wanted to really keep trying to get the ball. This in turn meant that Man City had all the time they wanted on the ball. As I said at the beginning of this rant, I'm hoping this will hopefully be a non-issue as we move forward after a win. But we have to remember what it was like in December as a constant warning. With that, I have two questions slash points. First, who realistically out of our current roster do you see that can be relied on to be that person? I think every starter needs to be that person. But to really lead the way vocally, I I would say I can see Zayech, Chilwell and Silva. The examples I keep going back to, to on this pit in this in my mind are John Terry and Diego Costa. They both would call out their players and were very vocal on the pitch. Terry wouldn't do it in a more instructive way than Costa, but it was the same type of thinking. I always say when I'm training someone new that there's no such thing as a mistake. There are only chances to learn. If the same problems keep happening, then it's not a mistake. It's a problem. I could really see this type of thinking between the players on the pitch being extremely helpful. Regardless, the players need to play for each other and not for themselves. Secondly, with the recent report coming from Sky Sports that Chelsea is considering bringing Avram Grant back to Chelsea to help in the back room for Frank. I think that was completely made up. Do you think this is a good idea? Out of all the older guard, who would you who would you most like to have back to kind of uh, as a, to kind of guide or support Frank? I personally am somewhat all right with Avram Grant coming back to help out since he spent so much of his career focusing on youth players and getting the best out of them, but I think there are a few better options. I personally would love to have Steve Clark back to help Frank not going to happen. He's in charge of the Scottish side. They're doing quite well, but that will never happen. Yeah. The other two that I think could be great could be Ranieri. No, Ranieri! Or Di Matteo. Ranieri won't happen for the same reasons as Clark. Um, Clayton has bounced up and down in his chair when I said that. But I think... He's done his back in again, thanks to that. Have, I think this approach to the game and training and players and how much he's loved by the fans and Frank would be a huge help. Di Matteo would be a possibility. I do believe that Frank has a good relationship with him. I like Jody, but I think Frank needs both the someone he's brought along and who knows him and someone who's been at the top like Di Matteo. Or... Right now, Jody and Frank have an idea of what they want to do, but they need a third voice in those conversations to work out what's the best way within this Chelsea realm to do that. I look forward to hearing what you all have to say. I also look forward to the day when I can get over to the bridge and buy you all a few pints of Guinness. If you have a fine yourself in Vancouver um, uh, the the beers are on me in JK's case the Australian and French wines no I don't drink at all you don't she, want Australian and French wines in, in in Vancouver you can have some Okanagan Valley wines because they're gorgeous well Chidge you know Chidge knows everything there is to know about oh yes um, Paul Chidge and JK stay mantastic Ooh. Ooh. with the best regards to you all Paul Schrag uh, good stuff Paul uh, other than your paragraph about 
people helping uh, Frank, which I think is was just a completely was bollocks, um, wasn't it? Fabricated pile of shit. Yes, uh, that was just somebody having a laugh at our expense. Well, I mean, which... we almost tried to start that uh, me and Dean by saying that um, if Frank gets sacked, Rafa Benitez will be in the frame. Yeah, yeah. The same. I tried to get Wenger coming in to help Arteta. Yeah, but that didn't, that didn't take yeah. off. Um, well, we, we covered this last week, didn't we? Because I said Ray Lewington would be a good choice, but yeah, I don't. Well, if, if there was to be anybody, but I don't but think I, I don't think there needs to be. No, 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 it's not. It's not they've got, you know. But other than that, um, um, who did he say? It's about um, accountability. He was saying, and I, um, and it's interesting to say that earlier on he said people were actually getting at other players on the pitch. I didn't really notice that, but uh, they were giving me. I mean, if you know, if somebody passes the ball dreadfully, they tend to give each other a dreadful look anyway. So. Uh, well, perhaps that hasn't been happening recently. Perhaps people are just resigned to the fact that it's a kind of norm at the moment, whereas before it wasn't wasn't happening. So, uh, but um, but yeah, hmm. it's just go, it's just going back to. I mean, he he picks up on what we picked up earlier in the podcast that basically, there you know we need some people out there captaining and screaming yeah. and getting up people's asses. I mean, I, I said this last week, didn't I? I think you'll remind me, Clayton, but I, that point that Sam Allardyce made that, you know, that players in the last 10, 15 years have been coached within an inch of their lives. And he, he was saying he now regrets it because they've lost the ability to think for themselves on the pitch, which is yeah. another way of saying we don't have any leaders anymore. But, I mean, I remember under Sarri, one of the reasons I, I didn't like Sarri or, for that matter, elements of Conte's management was that, they tried to coach players into being automatons, and that's not yeah. not what I grew up with or really like. I mean, that's what I mean when I say it's like playing FIFA twenty with real people. Anyway, as as Tell Chell Tell Tell used to say, Northerners are real people with real emotions. I don't know the answer to this question, but would Declan Rice be that leader on the pitch? I think he probably would. Is is the short answer? Bearing in mind, I know that you're on a time a deadline, right? Matt Scott, Matt Scott, Matt Scott, Matt Scott. He says, "Hi, fellas. Hope you are well. Yes, we are well. I'm feeling much better. I mean, Dean will testify that I was grumpy as anything before we went on air. And I'm, look at me now, Dean. See, hour, hour and a half for you lot, enough to make anybody happy, right?" He says, hi, fellas, hope you're well. I just wanted to get in touch again after my last email regarding how I felt that Frank didn't want Timo and Havertz. I should have explained myself a bit more as I feel there might have been some slight confusion over the point I was trying to get at. Of course, I agree that Frank has, uh, has some sort of, uh, had some sort of say, but there's a huge difference between wanting something and being given it. Let me give you an example. You on your fourth pint of Guinness, and you tell the lads in the pub you've got to get home as the wife is cooking you a Sunday roast. Actually, this is for real, Matt, so substitute Sunday roast for catching the next train. Uh, but then Bob, actually in real life, it's uh, Brian Wolf from Chicago and Dan Silver, puts another pint on the table staring you in the face. You may not necessarily want that eye-catching refreshment if it means missing the, uh, the missing the train. However, you feel obliged to accept this token of gesture from your fellow friend. So this actually happened, uh, Matt. The last home game, last league game I went to against Spurs back in February, I think, and I got battered because they kept on putting more Guinness in front of me and I missed three trains. Anyway, while I do believe that if a board went to a manager and said to them, would you like two of the most sought-after players in Europe? Of course, it then comes down to if the manager wants them or not. But in the case of our football club, there's a big difference between a manager and a coach, something which the latter falls into every Chelsea manager that's been hired in the Roman era. 
for Chelsea Football Club, it's more of a case of Roman the board saying, here's some players, fit them in and make them better. So the point I'm getting at is at Chelsea, it's hard to say, no, I don't want those players when the club has all the intentions to bring them in anyway, regardless of who's in charge. Just like uh, Brian and Dan buying you that fifth pint of Guinness, regardless of whether you want it or not. I'm not saying that Timo and Kai won't have a massive impact on the club moving forward, as it's clear to see that they have the talent, but one would argue that it's put Frank in a position where he almost feels he has to play them when fit, as the board has provided him with the weapons to potentially cause mass destruction to other sides. Further adding to my point, this is where I feel if certain players like the two we mentioned are not playing to full potential, it's unfair that Frank is the one to take the blame when there is a possibility it was more of a case he felt obliged to have them rather than going to the board and asking for them. Whichever way you look at it, they are two fantastic players and I hope we'll have a long and successful time during the Frank Lampard reign. Thanks again for providing me with top listening during my long gritting runs through the cold winter nights. Love to you all. Up the fucking Chels, Matt Scott. What do you reckon, uh, Dino? I kind of disagree that though Frank was sort of given Timo and Kai because you know, when they signed, the big thing was that he he was the one that convinced them to join and had the vision for how he wanted to play with them in the team. So I wouldn't sort of agree that he's just said, OK, I'll take them. He's obviously had a plan for these players. And, you know, we weren't sort of complaining about Timo when he was scoring goals, but now he's sort of in that bad form. It's now well, Frank didn't actually want him. So I don't necessarily agree with you know, that sort of point of the email. I, th- I think he might be. I think he he makes a good point that, you know, I think because I think this started when the club, you know, knew that they were going to be making, you know, managerial merry-go-round every year or two. They thought, well, actually, the one stable thing we need to do is to have players. And that's when it all started to change, really. You know, the power of the manager dissipated somewhat and it became the power of the board. So maybe maybe there's an element of truth in that. We've got a lovely email, JK, from the lovely, lovely Alex Davison. We know Alex, don't we? Because he's been in our Q&As from Boston. Hi. Yeah, He's a fine man. Uh, dear Chidge and Kiddo, first, once again, I send my undying gratitude for providing such a wonderful diversion from what is going on both sides of the pond. Joyous relief does not do the Chelsea fancast justice. You helped me to maintain my strong connection to London and in particular Chelsea FC and also reassure me that the true spirit of Chelsea fandom continues to be nurtured and thrive. It just with the four of us. Yeah. Um, second, there was all the few people who are on the crew at uh, the Chelsea fancast. Anyway, second, ignore the Twatterati. They are a never-ending supply of windbaggery, enough said. Third, just finished listening to the In Off The Post episode for the second time. I want to salute emailers Joe Campbell and Alexander Latchuk, who expressed their support for Lamps so beautifully. I hope the hand-wringing doubters were listening. Fourth, here's what I'd like to add to what Joe and Alexander expressed. Having a Chelsea soul and a Chelsea character matters. If you really want Chelsea to remain the club you fell in love with when you first discovered football, recognise that we've been given the gift of a man who understands completely why we care so much. We fans can trust him. He is one of us. He feels about the ups and downs the same way we do. And could you be more proud of the way he represents us? Mature and composed, tantrum-free. His conduct wins our respect. If you can't put your faith in him and live with the teething pains of his early development as a manager, then jack it in. Football is not for you. There is no objective success formula. Football management is a subjective art form, one that takes time to perfect. Fifth, 
and this is for you, Dean, went to mow King's Meadow. Sorry, God, loving <laughs> went to mow King's Meadow. Bravo, Jane and Dean. I'm listening to episode seven, Chelsea Pride with Tracy Brown right now. Superb. You can love football and discuss a shortcoming and nobody dies. Progress is possible. Keep on keeping on. Belated Happy New Year. Cheers, Alex. How absolutely lovely. Yeah, I mean, nothing really to add to that, Alex, apart from spot on. Love, Lovely words all round. And the other thing I would add, actually, JK, is he sent us a... A very lovely kind of uh, email Christmas card and a picture of his lovely family. And I never replied. And I, I, I apologise for being useless, Alex. But uh, I did see it and I thought it was lovely. So thank you. And I hope you're all well. Um, Can I in- just, just say that um, the, the, the the middle middle bit, I think, gives gives another argument to Shaz's view that he finds Lampard incapable of um, what he's saying isn't true, isn't isn't is a bit soundbite-ish. So it it work is the manager works on on other levels as well, Shad. It doesn't work for you, but he works for other people. Yeah, that's, well, you know, it's everybody has a, a different opinion. You know, that's yeah. kind of how it is. Right, this is lovely. This is this is actually not because it's the shortest, but I love this email, and I think it might appear to uh, appeal to Clayton in a minute, and he'll know why. It's from Colin. That's all. I, I don't know his second name. It's just Colin, and he says, "Chaps." I'm a Chelsea fan dating from 1969. Yes, just in time for the cup run. You absolute glory hunter, Colin. I don't know. I've only recently started listening to your podcast, and most enjoyable they are. The reason I discovered you was we now have a new dog that requires quite long walks, and I needed oral entertainment. However, I think I may be turning into one of those people that mutters out loud and laughs for no good reason when wandering around. Not least when Barry, I think from Oz, suggested punching Shaz in the throat. It brought to mind the scene from Airplane, when they, uh, where they all queued up to pacify the hysterical passenger. Maybe we could all form an orderly queue to sort Shaz out. Pleased to hear King Kerry is still going well, as he gave us many enjoyable times in the 80s, notably Grimsby away and at the arse, first game in 84. Keep up the entertainment, Colin. What a lovely email, Colin. How lovely to hear from you. And well done. Well done for finding us. And uh, write in again and tell us what your dog's called. And uh, then we can share, you know, then then he might chuckle to himself whilst being out for a walk as well. Now, OK, executive decision time. And this will depend entirely on Clayton. We've got uh, an email from our weekly email from Nana, which as always is very good. And a rather long one from Kieran, who is in, in tonight uh, as Chev, actually, in Mixler. Uh, now, we could shove those into Friday and go straight to the Leicester-Chelsea preview, or we could have 10 minutes on, 5 to 10 minutes on these. Clayton, it's up to you. No, 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 it's not. It's up to you guys. I mean, you know, you don't need me. I mean, if you if you want to do them, and then if I have to go, then I have to go. It's, it's uh, go on. Oh, it's up to you. I, I would I rather mean, hear... People rather... Have... Go on. Go on. No, you first. No, no, no. I mean, people are taking the trouble to write in, so... Well, we'll just read quickly, JK. And no, well, I mean, there is a question to answer for, for Kieran, but we can shove that into the Leicester preview. So let's let's go for it. Nana. This is from Nana. Nana Yaboa. Hi, everyone. Hope you all had a good weekend. Looks like Chelsea are putting together another great run. I hope I'm right. It was another poor performance against Fulham, but it was good to see that we had enough to win in the end. Jorginho doesn't complement the type of players we have at our disposal currently. He's a good player, don't get me wrong, but he slows the play down too much. I'm happy that Kante will be returning when we play Leicester. 
What has Callum got to do to get a start? The guy gave us a real danger in attack when he came on. He's enjoying his football at the moment. He's in good form, and so it's the best time to play him. I'll be disappointed if he doesn't start against Leicester, but ultimately Frank is the manager, and we'll see what he does. Chilwin is not bumping forward like he used to in the beginning of the season. I just hope it was a tactical decision. He was just playing horizontal and short passes on the left-hand side for the majority of the second half. He's dangerous in attack, so I'm not sure why he doesn't attempt to breeze past players and allow Pulis to go inside. The Chilwell Pulisic connection isn't there yet, but I hope it gets better soon. I think it was there early on in the season, actually. To, to end, you can see glimpses of good connections between our players when they play, but it's not there yet. It'll get better with time. That's why I believe Frank should be given time to work and learn with this team. I'm extremely confident we'll be back performing at the highest level very soon. Well, I hope you're right. I'll leave the Werner criticisms to you all. I don't know what's wrong with the dude. He failed to capitalise on at least three good opportunities. His control and first touch dot 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 i rest my case i'm one of your young listeners i'm 21 in my opinion the fan cast is the best chelsea podcast out there yay continue your good work we appreciate it nana michigan usa good stuff i think we we you you brought up all the same stuff that we've spoken about every time Jorginho, callum starting and we didn't mention chilwa but you're right he's not quite up there in the same way um but um, let's see if we manage to. Uh, I think the big game is whether it works against Leicester tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and, and Nana's 21. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, I know we're a bunch of old gits and, and it's easy to think that the only people who listen to us are old gits. I mean, Dean obviously accepted. But actually, I, I know I've got I've got statistical evidence to prove that we've got a lot of people who listen to this show who are in their in their late teens and early 20s. So you know we 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 must be doing something right if we're appealing appealing to a broad cross section of uh age groups and uh nana is proof of that as is shaz of course anyway kieran and there we go we've got pan pan uh pandach i think pandak in mixler he's 23 from texas proof if proof were needed uh right kieran o'donnell also known as chev uh obviously because he's named after shevchenko isn't that right chev uh, to Chidge, JK, and esteemed guests, I am a relatively new listener only this season, better late than never, they say. I came across your podcast podcast on Spotify during work and got me through my day. Now I'm one of the live listeners on Mixler and also on the Discord group, uh, which is a great group of proper fans giving their opinions. And well, well done, Kieran, and thanks for uh, becoming a Patreon as well, I should add. But now at work, I'm lost with no podcast to listen to. Ah, listening on the live show is what it's all about. Ticks all the boxes. Anyway, I became a Chelsea fan at the age of seven, I think, when my parents took me to do a tour of the old Wembley, the Twin Towers as it used to be. When we went to the mega store there, I found a Chelsea football, which I immediately fell in love with, and that's how my love of Chelsea grew. I've been to a couple of Chelsea games, but it's hard to get to games when you don't live in England anymore, and also to get tickets. That's what I thought anyway. For years, my first game actually for years my first game actually came in the 07-08 season in that boring game against Middlesbrough when Carvalho scored a header from a Wainbridge free kick inside the first six minutes, and it ended up 1-0. I remember thinking the next time has to be a better game than this. Next up was the next season, last home game of the season against Blackburn when Maluda scored that thumping diving header and Anelka slotted the second into the bottom corner, which proved to be the winner. But they weren't the only centrepiece that day. I was sitting in the Matthew Harding low with my mate and the ringing around the bridge of Gus Hiddink, we want you to stay. Sorry, singing around the bridge of Gus Hiddink, we want you to stay was amazing. Gave you goosebumps. Then the chance of we'll be sick of Ancelotti when he comes, which we were wrong about. But could you blame us after the interim job Gus did for us that season any club's fans would have wanted him to stay if he'd have done that job for them 
Next comes the best game of them all that I've been at. The next season under Ancelotti was the game against Villa, that famous 7-1 win where our current manager, our legend Superfrank, banged in four goals, the last player before Giroud this season against Sevilla. What a game that was. A nervy first half when Frank banged in the first, then Big John Carew levelled it, but there was no beating us or Superfrank that day when he notched his second from the spot. In getting a pint at half-time, you could feel the tension, the nervousness, but there was no need. Another five in the second half, another two for Frank. Uh, what a day out in the Matthew Harding ag- uh, again. Chance of Carlo, Carlo, give us a wave. And my next game came ten years later, last season. My mate told me about the ticket exchange. My eyes lit up, so I got tickets for the home game against Villa once again. But I didn't mind with the two academy products on the score sheet, Tammy, and that sensational volley from the exquisite midfielder, Mason Mount. Another great game to go to. I had planned to go to a lot more since. Uh, sorry, I, I had planned to go to a lot more since I knew about that platform. But because of the current circumstances, we can't. But once we're allowed back, I will be over a lot more and hopefully meet you all for a pint or two. It's already a long email, so I'm going to try and wrap it up soon. I'm not going to go in on Shaz. I think everyone has the same opinion as me, and that has been talked about. Also, I've given my opinion on it in the Discord group. All I'd say is Arsenal in disguise. Well, he's, he said he's not uh, Kieran, so there you go. My question was going to be for you, Chidge, JK and the guests. The more he plays, the better Billy gets and improves, and he needs to be a starter. Would you play him in a double pivot with N'Golo, or would you play him a bit more forward as one of the two number eights? That's with N'Golo in top form also. I know Billy has played more of an advanced mid- midfielder in the youth at times and excelled too, but it's a massive jump in level and to excel in in, uh, in the advanced position. Also, one other thing is we're struggling to convert chances and some games to even create as much as we did during the unbeaten run and during the run we were on last season. Also, Timo missing those sitters. Hopefully it's just confidence. But my question here is, do you think bringing in a striking coach would benefit them like we brought in a defensive coach in Anthony Barry this season? We've seen some benefits already, especially in defending corners and also attacking. So my question is, would an attacking coach benefit us, in your opinion? Also, one of the big reasons for the improvement in attacking corners is Mason's unbelievable deliveries, usually on point and beating the first man, not like a certain William, which used to drive me mad, and he would still take them, which I, uh, which I never got. Anyway, to you all. Sorry for the big email, but keep up the good work. It's great being a part of it, and also hope to see you again very soon. Keep it blue, keep it carefree, or keep the blue flag flying high and up the shelves from Chev in Mayo in Ireland. Dear Ireland. Um... Good question. Um, Billy Gilmore, I think, could play anywhere in midfield. I think he's the... Well, obviously a lot will depend on Rice, but uh, he could certainly play in the holding role and he can play on the right or the left. Um, striker coach. I, I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it? I remember Mourinho never used to coach the strikers. He just used to let them get on with it. If we were to get a striker as a coach, do you know who I would get? DDA bloody Drogba, mate. Excuse me, why are we getting a striking coach when oh, our all-time why? top scorer is our manager? Well, that's a very good point. Although, you know, he was a midfielder. Different role, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, so what? Well, I mean... On a, on, he had to score goals, though. Well, that's very true. But to turn that around, this is why I think it's so important that Frank stays at the club. Because if he stays at the club, he's going to turn Mason Mount to one of the best midfielders in the world, like Mourinho did for him. There's no better coach for Mason Mount than Frank Lampard. But uh, I think I think all the best strikers in the world... Have have basically been instinctive scorers, and I you can't coach instinct. I agree. Also, they, pra- they practice a lot. I think lots of them, don't they? Despite um, um, yeah, but you're, I mean, you know, you look at Robbie Fowler, you look at uh, Jimmy Greaves, you look at 
Michael Owen. It's all instinct. You know, Harry Kane. Uh, I mean, Harry Kane is different. But, yeah, I mean, look, players need coaching, but bottom line is, you know, you can either score goals or you can't. I think Clayton makes a good point. Uh, Now, we're going to move this on because we're going to have a quick look uh, at the Leicester match for tomorrow night uh, in part four coming up. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. Stanford Chidge here, joined by Jonathan Kidd, Dean Mears, and Clayton Beerman uh, for the last part of the show tonight. Uh, and of course, it's Leicester City tomorrow, which of course is going to be a tough game, whichever way one looks at it. I mean, they are, I think they're second technically, aren't they, at the moment in the league? I mean, they might be equal with City, yeah. They're second in the league uh, on 35 points. Um, Whatever one thinks of Brendan Rodgers, I think he's doing a fairly good job at Leicester. Uh, I would hate to see him at Chelsea, I'll be honest with you. But I think he's a good coach nevertheless. So this is not going to be easy. And the other thing is Leicester's form at the moment. They've lost one match in their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One match. That was at home to Everton. Uh, and out of that, they've won all of them, a bar two. So they won seven, drawn two, lost one. They are in very good form. They beat Southampton last weekend, who, as we know, are also in very good form. Um, so this is going to be a really tough match for us, I think. I was tempted to say as well that it's always been a tough match for us, but actually that's absolute rubbish. We've done really well at Leicester recently. Uh, we won one nil in the cup uh, last year. Uh, we drew two all in the league. When Rudiger scored a brace, I think, if I recall rightly. We drew nil nil. We we uh, we won two one in the cup the year before. Uh, we won in the Premier League before that. We won in the Premier League before that. We won in the Premier League before that. So actually, our um, our record, actually our record at uh, Leicester has been very, very good. So there you go. And they now, drew with Palace recently, didn't they, Chidge? It wasn't. It, so they're not in great form. So uh, um, uh, it's not all. Yeah, but that was away, wasn't it? I suppose that's true. That's true. But yeah. is I think, that meaning much at the moment? Home and away form. I don't. Um, it's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, I think where I would like to—I just wanted to preface that with, you know, you know, okay, people, this is not easy. This is going to be a tough match. I think what we should really concentrate and focus on is—is who—who do you think we should be playing? And one of the points I was going to pick up on from part two, really, uh, was a mad theory. You know, one thing that has occurred to me—we know that our new mega signings are not really you know, doing too well. Werner, Havertz, Ziyech, to a degree. Uh, Silva's doing all right. Obviously, Mendy in goal too. So, who are doing well? And it seems to me that in attitude and a performance and, and just sheer, you know, wanting to, to impress, the youngsters are doing it again. Tammy, when he comes on, plays really well. Hudson-Odoi, really good form at the moment. Mason always puts in a good performance. Reese James, when he's fit, equally good. So here's the mad theory. Why don't we actually start a few matches with no ZH, Werner and Havertz and see how we do? I.e. 
rely on the core of the team that played well last season, plus the additions who are doing well. So Mendy, Chilwell, Silver being the additions. So, I mean, in terms of who we start, we know Kante's out with a hammy. So we're looking like something like, you know, Mendy, James, uh, I, I would say Rudiger or Silver, because I wonder if Silver can play two games in such quick succession. Uh, Rudiger and Silver, Zuma, Chilwell, Mount, uh, Gilmore has to start instead of Kante. Uh, Kovacic would possibly be coming in there as well. And then I think really it's up front. It's either Pulisic or Hudson Odoi or Ziyech or Hudson Odoi. But Hudson Odoi has to start. And then Tammy or Giroud up the front. Discuss JK. Um, what's what? what? What are the chances that Jorginho will play? Oh, God. Of course he will. Of course he will. Of course he will. Of course he will. He'll find a reason for playing him. He will. He will. Because Kante's not playing, he'll play yeah. Jorginho. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, uh, I'm, I'm still not convinced that um, uh, that James will play. I think he'll play Aspie again. Um, and um, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's Pulisic, Zayic and, uh, and Giroud again. It, it just wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me I, mean, I can't work out what where his head is for, for selecting these teams unless what you'd hope he did, he, he did he, he looks at the Leicester side and works out that they seem to get a lot of goals once again as they always did always have done by playing the ball um, into channels and, and uh, having Vardy and he's got Barnes now with him isn't he who's uh, uh, very quick indeed. You've got two very quick forwards and the ball gets whipped into the penalty area on the break an enormous amount or booted down the wings because he's using Vardy's unbelievable pace. Vardy is an exceptional player. I mean, just, you know, that he, he, he sees an angle and it puts the ball nine times out of ten into the goal. You know, that's what that you want that to happen with us, our players as well. You want that that ratio of shots to goals to be you know he's such a dangerous player or he sets somebody up um so uh well you know we aspire to that but you know um but having said that i wouldn't be surprised whatever team he played we, we pull something out of the bag because that would be chelsea wouldn't it um uh so um but i i, I don't think he'll play james i think i think he'll play sp regardless of whether he's in form or not um he should play Zuma shouldn't he? But as you say, Silva might not make it just because he's uh, he doesn't want to play two games so soon. And um, I'm not as I still don't think Tammy's as good as he was at the beginning of, the, of of last year. I think he's still missing the odd chance. I think his his speed and ability and the way he sets up stuff is great, and I think he has great moments. But he similarly isn't quite. You know, he's not the finished article as none of them are at the moment. None of them is playing at the the top of their game other than Mount. So. Um, who knows? I don't even think Mendy's the finished article. I mean, Clayton, what do you keep thinking? He seems to make one one ricket every single every single game now at the moment, which I don't quite get. You know, he's, he's leaping out to that. I don't. I, don't I, I mean, I know that they got very excited on telly about him making a ricket when that ball came back. But anybody that's ever played football, yeah. you don't pass the ball towards the goal. You know, as we played it back. That's because he was desperate. Where, yeah, but you you play it out. You don't play it towards your goal in the event of what was happening happened. Basically, a goalkeeper a goalkeeper has to react to a situation. So if you're a defender and you get there first, you play it away from the goal. You don't play it in the in the direction of the goal. So I mean, I yeah, I, I listen. Mendy started off like a house on fire. 
because it was such relief that we actually had somebody that when you kick the ball at them, it actually didn't go in. Um, he's, you know, he hasn't had that much to do it. I mean, people said he's looked shaky and he's looked this, that and the other. But what did he have to do on Saturday? Nothing. Hardly anything. Yeah. You know, so, you know, our, our defence, for all its problems, we're still not conceding a lot of shots on goal. And basically, we're not letting a lot of goals in. I mean, obviously, the Man City thing was was three goals. But other than that, it's not been too bad. Mm. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, the jury's out because we basically are not seeing that much. But the defence is, is, is stronger. I mean, even though you can't see it, it is stronger because it's got more confidence that the fact that they know if the ball goes past them, it's not definitely going in the net. <laughs> so, yeah. Who's your team then for tomorrow? I, I'm with Jonathan. I, I think, sadly, I think a lot of um, the players that played on Saturday are going to play again. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think he may not play Ziyech for, for Hudson-Odoi. Um, I think that I definitely don't think he's going to play Werner. Um, I, at the midfield again, I think he's going to be... I just think it's going to be awful, to be perfectly honest. I really do. I mean, if you remember when we're talking about where where can Billy play, um, when we played Leicester in the Cup last year, Billy actually played further forward, and he didn't have a particularly good game. Yeah, he got um, off, didn't he? Yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, ideally, yes, you'd like Billy in front of the back four, uh, but I can't see it. I I think he's he's wedded to having um, Jorginho in there because of his experience. <laughs> experience of being um, shit. That's great, isn't it? No, uh, just I, it, you know we're we're trying to play a brand of football, and and he's not the right fit for it. I mean, I'd like I'd love to see Havertz start, but. I just don't know. I mean, Frank's obviously not trusting them. Maybe he's saving them for Luton. <laughs> what do you reckon, Dino? Well, I thought we was at full strength ahead of Fulham. So I think he's got to make changes to the team. You know, Leicester at home do like to keep the ball a bit. So perhaps there's an argument to play sort of Gilmore at the base because he plays the ball quickly forward, have Pulisic and hudson Adoy with haste to counter-attack. And then maybe Werner up front to... Um, use his pace as well. If not him, then Tammy. You know, you'd think James is going to come in because of the pace that Leicester have got up front. Silver, you don't know if he's going to be fit enough to play. So, aside from that, you know, you can't play Jorginho and Kovacic again. I think Kovacic will play, but you can't play with Jorginho, surely. Well, I would... I would, you know, I, I like Jorginho and I get it, but I, I've been saying it for ages. He's just not right for Chelsea in the way that they want to play in the Premier League. You know, I, I love him to pieces, but he, 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 Jonathan, it's just not working for me, Jorginho. So, you know, but my own my own view, I mean, this is what I would like to see start. Mendy, James, Rudiger, because I do think Silva will get rested. I don't think he's got two games a week in him after that short space of rest and recovery. So Mendy, James, Rudiger, Zuma, Chilwell. Uh, and then the sticky situation with the midfield. I think if Conte is not playing it, it I would like to see Gilmore play period but in in if he doesn't play Gilmore and god help us he doesn't play Georgino then I I would be I would have I would happily have Kovacic playing at the base with Mount and Havertz in midfield with him and then up front Hudson Doy's got to start 
I would start him instead of Ziyech. Because although Ziyech is wonderful, he's just not putting it in at the moment. I'd start Tammy up front because I think he offers something that the others don't. I, I, I point taken about not being clinical, but I think he brings a lot to the party actually and I'd start Pulisic because he's gonna it's gonna happen for him sooner or later he's not he's not got the Werner problem I think it's just gonna click sooner or later so that's what I would do but Lord only knows JK how's it gonna pan out um uh, I think we might draw um I think it'll be much closer than uh than you'd envisage if we're playing badly I think I think it'll be um uh 2-2 or even 3-2 to us 2-2 two, two or 3-2 two to us. You think there'll be a lot of goals? Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah. Dean? Yeah. Am I allowed to predict a Leicester win, or is that not allowed? No, you, you can say what you feel, mate. It's a free country, you know. It yeah, I think we're going to get beat 3-1. Three, 3-1. One. Three, one. Yeah, that's a, but that is a bit of a... Bit of a that's depressing to think that that might happen, but I, it's, it might, but that might not be a bad shout. Clayton, what do you reckon? Uh, <laughs> I th- I think it'll be a draw. To be mm. perfectly honest, I I do. I think it'll be a draw. The the thing that that's winding me up is the fact that if if we could win this game, I think this would turn our season round. I think if we could somehow get a win there, and I I can't see it, uh, but if if we could do something there, I really do think it would turn our season round because it would give them so much confidence. It certainly would, and I mean the, the the I mean we've only managed to beat one team in the league above us this season, and that was West Ham. So we know it can be done. But Leicester are in good good form. I mean our record there is superb. I mean there's a lot of reasons why why it's possible. I've got to be honest. I I I think I think a draw would be a good result, and I think a draw is what we will get. One one or two two. You know, when you've got Vardy playing for you, you've always got a chance to score goals. And and you know, Leicester Leicester can get from one end of the pitch to the other, rapidement. So it really is a question of whether we can score goals. So one one or two two. I, I mean, I would I would I would I know it sounds like an anachronism to say this, or, or heresy or whatever. But uh, I I think I think a draw would be a good result for us. Okay, right here and now. Of course, we I think would... the one the one thing that you can't discount is the fact that basically. Leicester, yes, they haven't been beaten, although they only had that one defeat in 10. But you're talking about a team that went to Man City and won 5-0 or whatever it was and then lost at home to Fulham. Yeah. So I think in in COVID days, it's not straightforward. Which is why I'm languishing in mid-table in the Chelsea Fancast Prem Predictions League, Clayton. Nothing... No, I don't think that's the reason. OK, well, what reason do you think it is then? <laughs> what reason you know do you nothing about football. <laughs> Well, thank you, Clayton. Thank you. And I, I'm always so nice to him, JK. I'm horrible to you. No, you're always you know, lovely you know to what? me. You know what? I know even less. <laughs> well, that's why yeah, you're on I, the show, mate. I therefore mate. know less than both of you. I've got, am I still minus? In this, the, is like, this is like, I'm Spartacus. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Spartacus. All right. All right. Well, look, obviously we hope it's not a draw. Obviously we hope we get a win. And I think actually Clayton's point is bang on. If we do win tomorrow, that, that could be a real kickstart for the season. I mean, the thing is, this bloody ridiculous Chelsea side, you know, if they click, they are capable of beating anybody on their day. If they get their mojo back and they click, they're as good as anybody in this league. Um, it's about time they showed it, I think. Um, but anyway, we'll find out soon enough, won't we? Um, and um, 
on that point, on that point, we will be back uh, this Friday at 7 o'clock. When I say we, it'll be me and JK and Dan Silves, Dan Silver, and Liam Toomey uh, from The Athletic, who we've reffed a lot tonight in respect of his very good piece uh, post-Fulham game in The Athletic. So we'll be back on Friday at 7 o'clock for the Chelsea Fancast preview show where we will actually be looking back at the Leicester match because it would be rude not to, as well as looking forward uh, to the Luton FA Cup match on Sunday lunchtime. So get rid of your roast beef, watch a bit of Chelsea instead. Uh, Obviously, we'll also be back next Monday, a week today, uh, when I will be joined by... Ah, it was Clayton Beerman, but of course he he swapped with Dane. It'll be Dane Whittle and Tony Glover uh, next Monday with me and JK. So don't, don't forget to... Uh, listening to that of course we'll be reviewing the live, uh, the Luton match and we'll be looking ahead to the Wolves match so there you go busy 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 schedule for everybody and of course tomorrow night uh Dane uh Dane Dean will be recording another episode of went to Mo King's Meadow won't you well and Dane's actually on with me is he yeah so um what, what's happened to one. Jane she's there as well he's going to be a special guest he said he um does watch the women's team so is, is that is that the crowd you have to watch the women's game to get on we have to sort of. Is that why me and JK and Clayton haven't been asked yet? I did, I did actually watch uh, some of the women's game yesterday. <laughs> Open invitation to anyone on the fan cast, obviously. I, I, I would obviously. be about as useful as a as a chocolate teapot, mate. I'm I'm I have to say, and and I won't do it on this particular show, but I do have some questions about what about women. No, 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 no. Well, yeah, I've still got questions about women. Uh, I, well, if you about, about about the women's team, I mean, I I basically read a lots of things, and then I see something completely different when I see them play live. So I do need people to explain things to me. All right, fair enough. Well, I'll tell you what, Clayton, we've got a question for you. Go on, then. yeah, it's on Mixler from English Dan, Go good old Dan Go out in uh, San Diego. He says, Chidge. Would you ask Clayton before he leaves if he has the new stripy away kit on order for himself? Oh God! <laughs> I think that's your answer, Dan. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> uh, no, no, is the answer to your question. But thank you for for, for asking. I think he knew he was going to get that kind of reaction. Anyway, went to Mo King's Meadows out tomorrow night. Uh, when I've put it up after the. Uh, the the Chelsea Leicester game uh, with Dean and Jane and special guest Dane Whittle who was also on next Monday. Now the Chelsea fancast, as as is went to Mo King's Meadow, is available on podcast uh, as a podcast on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, as well as other podcast distributors. Uh, and uh, you, if you want, you can get an app uh, by CSC Blues, which has all of the Chelsea podcasts on them. And this is how you get it. Now, I've mentioned Patreon a few times tonight because loads and loads of people are joining up, which is lovely, really sweet of you. And I mentioned the few people that did. Laws is one. Uh, Kieran's another. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Chad is another one that's uh, that's signed up. Uh, it's really, really sweet of you. I'm obviously very humbled that you should do that. Uh, if you do, um, and as I said, you can pay as little or as much as you want, you know, once a month, you get a little bit of money taken out of your account. But you will get access to our Discord group, uh, which is just proving to be... A, a blessed relief from the idiocy of Twitter. I find myself in the Discord group during the match far more than Twitter, and it is a breath of fresh air because people don't 
you know, there's no nappy shitters in there, basically, as Tony would say. So I commend it to you and I commend all of those who are in there. Um, of course, the other thing is you will also get a mini Kerry Dixon banner if you join Patreon. Uh, you won't get one for a while, though, because I'm waiting for the next delivery from the States. But when I get them, I'll get Kerry to sign them all, too. So you'll get signed ones as well. Apologies for... Oh, yeah, by the way, everybody who ordered one recently, they I stuck them in the post this morning. So you should all get them soon. So let me know when you get them. Nice little picture would be lovely. All right, so there you go. Uh, if you want to send us an email, of course, you can do it via Patreon or Instagram, uh, but also good old traditional email. The email address, of course, is chelseafancast at gmail.com. Get them in by end of play Sunday. Uh, Monday's too late, all right? Now, you can follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, uh, Clayton at Goalie59, and Dean at Dean Mears. So there you go. Dino, good luck tomorrow. I look forward to receiving your ting. It might not go up until Wednesday morning, actually, thinking of it. Is that all right? Yeah, whenever you uh, get done, Chidge, obviously grateful that you um, put the work in to get it out for us. It's, it's, it's either putting your podcast up or writing an article for CFC UK, and I'm more scared of Dave than I am you. Fair point. Fair point. I'll be as well. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, good luck tomorrow night. Lovely to see you tonight. Thanks for coming along, as always. Always good to hear your sense. Uh Clayton Beam and the Housewife's Choice, uh, the Chelsea Fancaster's Choice too. Well done, mate. Always lovely to see you. Thanks for stepping in tonight. You're very welcome. Enjoyed it. It's been good fun. Yeah, lovely stuff. And as for you, Mr. Kidd... I'm a reprobate, aren't You I? are a rogue, but that's why we love you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you've done very well tonight. It's been great fun tonight. Really enjoyed the chat, as always. Thoroughly cheered me up. Let's hope we you know, get a good result tomorrow, eh? Oh, yeah, blimey. Absolutely, all of us. Yeah, please, please. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? All right, well, I'll... Don't you enjoy sitting there and thinking, uh, we're not playing very well, are we? Oh, dear, we're going to lose. Yeah, I know, I know. You see, you need me next to you shouting obscenities and getting you all revved up. That's what you miss. I do, I do. And then I don't pay much attention to the game as I'm trying to get you, prevent you from being thrown out. Yeah. (laughs) That's very true. I miss that. I I really miss not going to the games. Anyway, enough of that. Everybody enjoy the game tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Uh, Mixler people, as always, you've been special. Brilliant seeing you in there. Thanks for all your comments as always. Uh, So thank you for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Chelsea!